What's up, Sifters? Welcome to Game Face, episode 96 on Sifted.net. It's been a crazy week here on the website, uh, but we've got some good games to talk about, some good topics to talk about. Uh, we're going to speak about a game called Pyre, which is one of the most difficult games I've ever had to evaluate because it's made by a friend. Mm. And we're going to talk about the Super Nintendo Classic, which has had some pre-orders canceled for some reason. Mm. Yeah. Shocking. <laughs> And we had a big summit on Monday night. You guys all joined and uh, offered your input on the future of the site. We're going to talk about all the results of that. Let's go. Greetings, everyone, and happy Friday to you and yours. It's Game Face episode 96. I'm here with my good pal, Matt Kyle. We're going to talk to you about the best stuff in video games from this week, if there is any best stuff, Yeah, Matt. such as it is. <laughs> such as it were. Yeah, it's, uh, we really had to scrape it together this week. It is the dog days of summer, though. Mm. We're doing the best we can, people, to make sure we bring you guys good shows. We're going to kick things off with a game called Pyre uh, yep. from a development studio called Supergiant. Supergiant was founded by a, an old co-worker of mine, Greg Kasavin, um, who I used to work with at GameSpot. It's made two excellent games so far, Transistor and Bastion. And... Uh, those games were a little easier for me to evaluate because, to me, they were clearly excellent games. Um, I did not like Bastion or Transistor. You didn't like either? No. Okay. Well, this will be interesting. I wanted to. Yeah. But I just... Bastion left me cold and Transistor just... I didn't like it. Bastion was certainly better than Transistor. Yeah. I, I whizzed through Bastion. I loved Bastion. Transistor... I, I liked it a lot. But I just I, bounced off it. I, I, yeah. I didn't have anything I specifically didn't like. It was just like... It was one of those games where you sit there and like... Eh. And like one yeah. day I just didn't start it again. Yeah. You know? And uh, now we have Pyre. Mm -hmm. And Pyre is a huge departure for yes. Supergiant. I mean, it's really nothing like... Because one thing, one thread that kind of tied their its first two games together was the narration thing. Mm -hmm. It would have this kind of disembodied voice that narrated the whole game. Uh, some people loved it. Some people hated it. But I think most importantly, uh, it was something that kind of tied Supergiant's games together. That is completely gone in this game. In fact... I have not found any voice acting in this entire game. Well, there's some voice acting. Like at the Where? At the beginning of... Uh, oh, whenever right. anyone talks, there's kind of a... Yeah, thing. yeah, And yeah. then there's a couple times where one particular character who can speak into your mind actually does speak their lines in English. Yeah. Um, most yeah, of the dialogue, very minimal. Most of the dialogue you hear is in the soundtrack. Yeah. And that's the one thing I would say. The soundtrack in this game is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, it has... It's all different genres, but somehow it still has a similar style... A lot of times you can do that by using kind of the same instrument, instruments across all your compositions. And they do a little bit of that. But for some reason, like, there's some songs that are just like a guitar and vocals. Uh, there's some, like, trap music in here, but mm -hmm. it all fits together. It, it all makes sense. Um, I played this game. I did a play view for it. And at the play view, I had played probably the first three or four hours, and I was really enjoying it. But one thing I would say about this game is the more that I played it, the less I liked it. Hmm. Um... I think the biggest issue I had with it is the lack of challenge. Like, seriously, I finally lost my first match in the campaign last night, and it was about, like, ten hours into the game. Mm -hmm. And not only that, the way I am easily beating the game is to just dump speed into every character. So any talisman that I, or any mastery, I just choose speed every time, and the AI just can't handle it. I just run circles around them. and I mean, most matches are over in, like, Two minutes now that I've gotten good at the game. Mm. Um, and the only reason I finally lost a match 
was, I don't know if you've even got to this point yet, but eventually you get to a place where before you go into each match, you can set sort of parameters of to make it more difficult. Mm-hmm. And then you get more experience if you uh, complete it. And uh, I had forgotten to toggle off one of those modifiers before I went into what is kind of essentially the boss fights of the game where you get to s- sort of send one of your party members up to the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forgot to do that, and I lost by five points in that match. And still barely lost. And I think I started, like, 40 points down on my pyre. So the lack of challenge in this game, it to me, is a deal-breaker because it doesn't force you to learn the intricacies of the game. And maybe we should rewind here and explain what this game is about. So it's an RPG mixed with basketball, I think is the best way to describe Kotaku it. Kotaku described it as NBA Jam with feelings. Yeah. And <laughs> that's not too far off. I mean, although the gameplay is really... The game you're playing is really a little more rugby than anything else, I would it, say. It's, it's, it could be like, it's like, like Rocket League, rugby, basketball, mm-hmm. kind of. It's this weird... Basically, you have three players on your team, and you're just trying to take this orb to the other team's goal. And it's really actually kind of like rollerball. Do you remember that old yeah. 70s movie where they yeah. like roller skates where you had to throw the steel ball into the hole? And the remake. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I forgot about that. That's right. really what it's most like, I guess. Mm. It's, uh, but it's like it's got a fantasy element, and the RPG element is coming to the fact that uh, each character has a different like kind of spin on the basic abilities. So like each character has an aura around them, right? Which will you're kill, seeing that right now on the screen. Will kill anyone, any opponents that come in in contact with the aura if they have the. Uh, the orb. Or if they don't. Oh, you're right. As, you're long, right. as long as it, if your aura is bigger than their aura, they'll hit your aura before you hit theirs. Right. So that's kind of the, the difference between the big characters. And also, if you put your characters next to each other, that your auras expand. So there's a defense element there, because you can only move one character at a time. Yep. Um, you can switch back and forth at yeah. any time, and you can pass yeah. the orb then, to them at any time. As you see, when you pick up the orb, your aura goes away, so you're defenseless. Uh, so you have to either pass or be agile. You can see there, yeah, there she got killed. Um, and essentially the idea is like you avoid the, uh, the opponents and throw, throw the orb into the pyre. You can either throw the orb in the pyre or dive into it. You, you do more damage if you dive in, but then that character gets banished. Right. right? You're like a power play in hockey. Kind yeah. Of. Um, and that's the basics of it. Uh, so, uh, the spoilers, I really like this game. Oh, you do? A lot. Oh, really? Um, it's wow, the first super giant game I really like. Um, in part because I think the story is pretty well done. See, I don't uh, like the story at all. I, I think the writing's okay. It, it feels like it was written by someone who really likes old school, high fantasy PC RPGs. See, I don't see that at all. I think this was, to me, it feels like it was written by someone who likes really weird European comic books. But the, it's from, but it's like that weird perspective where you're kind of talking about yourself in the third person. And that, a lot of old RPGs are written that way. And I also, look, I know Greg. And, and that's been the weird thing about playing this game. I can see Greg all over it. He's well, not a sports guy, well, mind is, you. But well, this is a visual novel. Basically, it's a visual novel combined with a simple sports game. Yeah. So I, don't, I would never associate it with old RPGs. I associate this with Japanese visual novels. I'm like, just saying like that the, the writing style, the way the narration addresses the game, and right? Addresses but you that's as what player. visual novels do. Like you, you are always the first person. Kind of, they're talking to you. In fact, I thought it was the, the most jarring thing early in this game is that you don't get a choice about who you play. Yeah, like you are, you are automatically a him, and you are automatically sort of. Well, you're literate. Like be, being you're able, the only one who can read. Being able to read is is illegal is power, in this, in this yeah. world. So um, the fact that you can read uh, books and the stars and all this stuff is it makes you a very important person. 
Um, so you join up with this. So, so it's but so it's like it's a weird mix of like visual novel and sports game because part of it, like you say, uh, this it takes place in kind of a limbo, terrible world called the downside, it's where basically you've been purgatory. where you've been all these characters have been banished by something called the Commonwealth, which seems to be something like the Empire from Star Wars. It's yeah. a very totalitarian location. But basically, there's a you go down and you play this ball game, and the rumor at the beginning of the game, the rumor is that if you win the league, you get to go back to the Commonwealth. Right. So basically, uh, you're playing through seasons against all these other teams, and if you make it to the top, they you think that you're gonna they, that your your characters think they get to go back, but it turns out only like you said, only one of them goes back. But that's the interesting part because you never see that character again. So as you go through seasons, it becomes like a strategic choice as to who goes because the people that get chosen well, to go only back one at a time you yeah, can, but you, can, but you eventually lose that character you send more you but, do but you lose and each time you succeed you lose another character and those characters tend to be your best characters so you have to decide whether you're cool losing one of the characters that you use to win a lot or keep them but like that's where the emotional element comes in because you get attached to these characters and you don't you want them to get what they want, and so but that's, see, that's I, the tension. What I started doing is like once I realized another match was coming up where I could get a character sent back to the other side, I would just take all of their talismans off of them, and like I would make <clears> sure <throat> I leveled up characters that I didn't care about because only characters of certain level can be sent back. Mm. So I would just make sure I play with characters that I didn't care about. That way, when the time came, I could just send them as a sacrificial lamb. Before the match, I would take away all their gear so I wouldn't lose that when they got sent. And that started presenting, like, issues and sort of cracks in the facade with the game. Um, like, there was, like, one match where, like... And, and they'll eliminate party members and won't let you take certain party members into matches. And that kind of keeps things unpredictable and also kind of forces you to build out your whole team. But I just felt like... To enjoy the game and be successful at the game, I found myself trying to jimmy it. And to me, I don't think that's good game design. And my other issue, too, is as someone who plays a lot of sports games, the sports part of this is not great. I mean, it's... You can tell it's a sports game made by people who don't play sports games. Um, and so the, the, the gameplay ultimately doesn't hold up all that well for me. And again, I was just walking through the game. Like, I... The only reason I really lost a match was because I was trying to mm. jimmy, like, the... Well, I see, I don't know, because, like, I haven't lost a match either yet. Um, a couple of them have come close, but, like, uh, in general, I tend to steamroll. But, like, I've looked at, like, you know, discussion on this online, and there are people that's, like, basically, once you hit Season 2, people are like, oh, my God, the difficulty spikes, and I can't win anything, and I keep... And so, I believe so, that. So, so but... clearly... The difficulty, uh, while it may not be crazy to us, uh, seems to be pretty pretty well balanced for the average person, I guess. Yeah, I just think they're just not dumping speed. I mean, literally, I can just run around get people. Like, well, you... that's what my main uh, scoring character is the dog. Um, yeah. Anybody he's super small, fast. like he's my super party, fast. like I, you can see right there, I just ran right around him. They can't react fast mm -hmm. enough. They... He, he's also one of my good dudes. Although, that's my best guy. Although I hit, a, I have hit a point where I kind of I I like that character and I want him to get out so but i don't want to lose my star player so it, it becomes like an interesting like tug, tug of war between how involved you are in the story and how but i set it up that way winning. like i make sure i'm not going to lose the guy that i've leveled up the most way just by making well, sure that other people in my party are up to a level to where that, they will be you're eligible. not you're not addressing what i'm saying though i'm saying i like that character as a character and i want him narratively to get what he wants which oh, is to get you, out Oh, so you're saying there's like internal conflict. Yeah. You want to keep using so him. I want but... to keep using him because gameplay right. wise, he's a, he's the star. Got but it. in terms of like this character in this game as a narrative character, I want him to get what he wants. And so yeah. I'm, I'm every time that comes up, I'm torn between I want to keep this guy that I score all the time with 
and I don't want to like go far enough that I, this guy never gets to go home. Yeah, I mean, I honestly just I have not found myself really caring about the story that all that much. Like I didn't really. The, there's a lot of writing, but it, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like the writing's all that good, man. It seems like it's overly wordy, and it takes like three screens oh, of text to get I, to something. There's a couple people like saying it's like, oh, I'm not interested in this because it's multiplayer focused. No, it's not. It's not yeah. multiplayer at all. Well, it is. There's there is a versus local, local versus, versus mode. But the game is like 90% campaign. Yeah, this game needs It shocks me that it's not multiplayer. It, it needs it. Like I, I, When I was kind of researching this game, they have several quotes saying, like, this isn't our focus and blah, 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 but we're looking into it. I have a feeling eventually there's going to be a patch that includes online multiplayer. And if that's the case... I, I would have to think it's coming. Yeah, yeah, you would think. And if that's the case, I would recommend this game a lot more than I do right now. Um, and again, you know, when I first played it, I was having fun until the hours kept come winding down. And I was like, I don't care about this story. I'm walking through the game. It's like no challenge at all. And everything is also like really slow, like starting a match. There's this slow ass pan down mm. to the feet. There, you can, again, you can There's just, a ritual. Yeah, but it's just, it, it needs to be just snappier. Like everything it is so be. slow. It's a ritual. One of the cinemas, like when you do like send someone back, like I thought <clears throat> the game had crashed because <laughs> I'm not kidding because it just sat there still for like yeah, 10 seconds. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm surprised that this game came from Greg, to be perfectly honest with you, because he knows games really well. And I really respect his opinion on games. And maybe it's one of those cases where you're so far into it that you can't, see the forest for the trees, so to speak. But there's just, to me, there's fundamentals of game design that this breaks. And maybe it was intentional. I think it is absolutely intentional. I don't like it. I, I, I think it's it just drags. This it is the first game like, they've made that I think is actually as interesting as people say the other two are. Oh, really? <laughs> I, th I, think, I think this is, and like, I mean, everything you say there is right, but I think it's intentional. I think it's, it's doing all that repetitive stuff because it continually emphasizes that this is a right, it's a ritual. Yeah. Um, it's, there's an element of the of the downside and the people in the downside uh, narratively where like people do things and go through these motions because that's what you do and there's no reason for it but they do it anyway yeah and that's sort of the surrealist like kind of dreamlike quality of the of the setting um, and I like all that stuff it's it's similar to kind of the stuff I like from the source material of Valerian which did not translate very well into a movie <laughs> yeah, boy, that movie tanked. Um, but like it's that kind of thing. It's that weird sort of, and it's a weird mix of like virtual visual novel kind of sensibilities and like. I'm not denying there's no other game like it. I yeah, mean, it, it is incredibly unique. There's no doubt about that. So if you're someone who just likes to try to play new stuff, this is probably worth the download. Yeah. You'll recognize elements from different places, but they've never been put together like this. And yeah. as I've always said, like being unique does not necessarily mean you are useful or good um, or good. Uh, but I think this all comes together shockingly well, especially because I wasn't particularly interested in the premise. Because here's the other thing, based on the history of the of Supergiant and sort of their strength, my perception of their strengths and weaknesses, I thought this game was going to be turn-based. Oh, really? I thought this was going to be like a Final Fantasy Tactics right. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, let's see if I can do Because I don't really like those games very often. Like, basically, Shining Force and Fire Emblem are the only two turn-based strategy games. And XCOM. Yeah. But, like, the Final Fantasy Tactics style, which seems to be what most people who grew up with consoles seem to prefer over the good version, because uh, I hate Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. Um, most stuff seems to be based on the, you know, the PlayStation 1 Final Fantasy Tactics. And, like, generally, that, that alienates me. But then I started to play this, and I'm like, wait, it's real time? What? Like, I had no idea that it was real time, because I just haven't quite been paying right. tremendous attention to it. Yeah. And so I was not, I was happily surprised by that, and then I sort of like, okay, now I got my head around this. And uh, you're right, there are ways to game the system. Uh, and 
I don't really mind it, I guess, like because I'm invested in the story. If you didn't care about these characters, like you got no real reason to play. I, I don't think say. the characters are terrible. I think honestly, it's just the writing that turns me off. Like I just, <clears throat> I just don't think it's very good or very interesting. It's like. See, that's interesting to me because, like, I think all the characters are incredibly well-drawn very quickly through dialogue. And most interestingly to me, there aren't really any... Ma like, like the, the narrative doesn't revolve around internal conflict in your group. It revolves around everybody wanting the same thing but wanting it differently. Yeah. And that's an interesting dynamic because most... most a lesser writer... And Greg wrote the, you know, wrote the whole thing. Well, I, I didn't know uh, that. He's credited I'm, as... I'm assuming he did. He's though. credited as story and whatever in the, mm -hmm. in the credits. Um... He, uh, the interesting thing about it to me is, is most, a lesser writer would have made the dramatic tension come from all the characters disagreeing about how to do what they're trying to do. But instead, the tension comes from basically you and your group against the world. And that is, that is, that also reminds me, that's the thing, I guess, that reminds me of old RPGs. Like you brought, it's like that used to be, there used to be not a lot of internal strife in your group. It used to be you guys on an adventure against the world. And like, that kind of, it's, it's a weird sort of retro thing, but it also feels fresh because no one does it anymore. Yeah, I mean, look, I noticed it right away when I started playing. I'm like, this this reads like an old RPG <clears throat> that I played when I was like 10 years old or whatever. But it's just like the verbiage he used, the whilst and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Like all that kind of thing. It is very into... heightened, I think. Yeah. The, 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 the polite critical term for it is heightened. The funny thing too um... is, like I didn't know that he wrote the whole game, but like um, when you work with someone in editorial, you start to like learn words that they use all the time. Like, one of his words he would always use in his reviews was rabble. And he uses rabble in this. And mm -hmm. so when I'd see that, I'm like, oh, that was definitely written by, <laughs> by him. And it's no, he I, is, I believe he's the lone credit lone for writer. story on, on it. I, I only glanced at the credits. And look, I know he's a great writer because I worked with him <clears> and <throat> I enjoyed the writing in their first two games. I just feel like that they went for something completely different this time. And it's not that the skill isn't there. I just don't like the particular style that he chose to tell the story, I guess, is the best way to put it. Mm. So, And it always is interesting, I kind of said in the, in the open, reviewing games or evaluating games from your friends. <laughs> it's very... It's different because you know them and you know kind of the stuff that they're into. And, and like I said, you know how they write, in particular with the writing in this game. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you can't pull any punches. And I'm just, you know, sharing my honest opinion about the game after having played it. it. It is a pretty long game. The campaign took me like 16 hours, 17 hours. Yeah, it's deceptively long. Like you think you're building to a certain thing and then the thing happens and you're like, oh, that's like, you're like a fifth of the way. Yeah, yeah like, it's not short. And I mean, I think it's what, $20? Uh, right. Yeah, twenty bucks. It's like I think it's seventeen right now, like for a launch. Yeah, it's on like a discount for launch or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I do think that eventually there will be a multiplayer mode for this, and that's when I think the game will really sing ultimately. And having <clears> seen <throat> the success of games like Rocket League, I am really surprised they for, didn't take well, the time see, to for this, include like, it. When you say like multi, like I think multiplayer on this is just gonna like people are just gonna find ways to break it. Like, like, I don't think this is this, this is balanced for multiplayer properly. So. Yeah, maybe that's why they didn't do it. Maybe Probably. they stopped, they had been more... Well, I mean, you can play local multi multiplayer. Yeah, but that's more for... Like, your, your friend next to you is probably not going to be the asshole the guy online is. You know? Yeah. Like, like, I feel like people online will just find just ways cheese to, it. to cheese it and exploit the system, and that'll be that. You know, Which watch. is not hard to find. No, I mean, this is not... <laughs> this is clearly not designed for two people to be... Two thinking human beings to play against each other, really. It's It's... There's a uh, there's an assumption that the player is smarter. Yeah, and and you are. Yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. 
Um, but there's too many ways I can see, like, where yeah, even just playing against a computer, there's ways you can set up what in a fighting game would be called an un- unblockable combo. Yeah. You know, like, unblockables. Like I mean, I hardly even pass in this game. Like, hardly at all. I just pick up the ball, and usually, it, like, this, mm-hmm. this game in particular, I think I was forced to use that slower guy. But I just pick three really fast guys, I pick up the ball, and I just run in circles yeah, until she, I run around them. She was actually the first one I sent away. Yeah. Because, because it's I, so slow. It's yeah. like, yeah. The other two were my speed stars, so I was like, well, I can't lose them. Yeah. The only thing she's useful for, for was uh, standing in front of the goal. Right. So. Yeah. And then you get some that can fly. That can fly over the objects in the right. map, and I keep those around as much as I can. Yeah, the cast is, there's a lot of characters there in this are, game. Yeah. Like, you think you're, oh, okay, like eight or nine. I'm like, no, there's a lot of characters. Well, once in you this crack game. open the multiplayer, it kind of shows you yeah. the whole list. And yeah, the multiplayer is kind of spoilery. It is spoilery, definitely, without a doubt. Yeah, so if you're, if you're going to play this and you don't really plan on playing multiplayer, don't crack it open yeah. because Which, if you it's buy it now, show you. you probably don't. Yeah. Like, I, I don't care about the multiplayer. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm invested in the campaign. But if you like brought up multiplayer, unless like people were saying, "Oh my God, they've revolutionized it," and, it, and it's not cheap or weird to yeah. play against other people, then I might try it. But my my investment in this game is in the story and the characters, and the, the gameplay is fun, but incidental to that. It really that's the best way to describe it: incidental, insignificant. Mm-hmm. I think is, and that's why I just felt like I was just wasting my time. I'm like, here's another match. I'm going to win without mm-hmm. them <clears> even <throat> touching my freaking pyre. We never explained how it works, so. You can see on each end of the battlefield there, there are two fires, which they call pyres. And when you score with the orb, it takes a certain number of hit points off of your pyre. When your pyre gets to zero hit points, then you lose. If the other, if the team you're facing, if their pyre gets to zero points, you win. Um, and then there are caveats. So there's certain talisman and masteries that you can get that will add hit points to your pyre or take hit points mm-hmm. away from the enemy team's pyre. So there's all kinds of little buffs built into the game. So you can... Uh, Kind of, so it kind of tweaks it a little bit. But at the end, it's just so easy that it didn't really matter. Like, I have been selecting, like, the harder settings on each match because I still win them, like, easily. So so I guess at the end of the day, I don't really recommend it. Do you? Uh, if you like visual novels and you don't mind playing a little real-time sports ball, uh, I would recommend it. Yeah? Yeah. So 20 bucks. it's out on PC, PS4, Xbox One. Yeah. I would... Bet my life that a Switch version's on the way. Because um, it obviously it can run easily on the hardware. It's not depends pushing on the hardware. Depends on the engine they're using. I actually did. I actually had some performance issues on PS4 with this game. I had hmm. like one match where literally the frame rate almost bottomed out, and then there's like a big map screen. Once you so you travel around in this wagon in this game, hmm. and you can you're looking at it right now the inside of the wagon, and as you go to different levels like that, the inside of that gets filled up with stuff that are kind of like mementos of all the matches that you've played. Um, but eventually you go to like a map screen and it shows your little wagon rolling around the map, but it, you can transform it eventually into a boat and into a plane. And uh, once I got the one that, once it turned into a plane and you can kind of go from map to map to map really mm-hmm. quickly, like it just like flattened out at one wow. point and almost crashed. So maybe it can't run on Switch, I don't know. Maybe it just needs to be optimized. Um, yeah, there doesn't seem to be anything in here that would, uh, unless, unless the, whatever engine they're using, and I'm not sure what they're using, isn't supported on Switch. I know that's a problem with like Unreal Three. Yeah. Um, there's nothing in here that feels like it should be. Uh, uh, you know. I only had problems one time in a match. I mean, for the most part, the matches run pretty smoothly. Mm. But uh, still, I'm, for, P- I'm playing on PC and it's butter. So. Well, you also have a monster yeah. PC, which helps. But, but it's just not. A, it seems to run just fine. Because I mean, there's been games I have that do not run fine. Looking at you, near Automata. Yep. 
So there you have it, a game that we're split on. Um, by now, you probably watch enough of Game Face to know kind of like what kind of stuff I like, what kind of stuff Matt likes. So uh, adjust accordingly when you're deciding on whether you want to buy it or not. I mean, I, I, it, it fits into the same category of the games I like that are like um, Panzer Dragoon Saga or like those, just like those, those or uh, just those weird sort of. It is a weird game. Like, it's really weird. Like, the kind of, it's not magical realism, but it's like kind of that, it's, it's almost feels, like, if you told me this was made by Europeans, I'd believe you. Yeah. Um, it's, it's got <laughs> that kind of like weird sort of European comic book manga mashup sensibility, like fantasy sensibility to it that yeah. like, by sensibility, I mean complete non-sensibility. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> That sort of like just assume, you know it, it it leaves the universe there it leaves the world there for you to kind of like pick up on your own it doesn't feel the need to explain itself and I like that uh, although it does have like if you highlight highlighted words yeah. in the dialogue it'll it'll pop up a little explanation of what it is in the world so you can kind of like yeah figure if you out want to dive happening. deeper into the lore the lore like, the is definitely there be, something will be in red in the text and you can like click on it and it'll mm-hmm. give you it'll blow out to a little window and it'll show you a little more detail <clears throat> so on something. and I just like say you know. If it's, I don't own, an, I own a few thousand video games, and I don't own anything that is, is quite like this. No, it's and absolutely. So if unique. that's something you value, I'd say give it a shot. Yeah, but be ready. Yeah, you know, like if you're not sure, if you watch these videos and you're not sure, you know, I can't, I can't tell you not to wait for a sale. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like, I get it. But at the very least, if you're into like weird, unique things. Keep it on your radar. Yeah, maybe for wait for a humble sale or something on down the road if you just like to try everything that's mm-hmm. new. And from my perspective, you know, I've always been a gameplay first guy, and I, I'm a big sports game player. So from that perspective, for me, the game does not cut mm-hmm. the mustard. Um, it's, it's, I, the, the sports game part of it is just a charming little... It reminds me of, like, Cyberball 2020 or whatever. Yeah, those, yeah. those old, like, future sports games that used to be in arcades in the yep. old days. Except this is all fantasy-based. But right. if you're looking for complexity, that's not really here. It's um, very simple, yeah. Uh, especially once you figure out how best to kind of end run the AI. Yep. Um, which obviously you don't have to exploit it that way. You can you can make a challenge for yourself, but if you're not someone who does that, uh, it's it's open to being exploited. Here's the problem with playing any game that way, though. You'll do that for a while, but when the chips are down, say you're in a match where if you win the match, you can send somebody back to the o- other side. You're always going to revert to doing what you know you can do to win the match. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just life. Right. That's just human nature. But so I know a lot of people say, well, just act like you don't know how to easily beat it or what. It's like that never really works for me. Like you can do it for a while, but when Mm -hmm. the rubber hits the road, you tend to go back to whatever it is that you know is going to be successful. So also, let's not forget that like. Um, a lot of people are saying that they're having a struggling with the difficulty that I've seen online and on Twitter and Gaff and stuff. Saying it's too easy? No, it's too hard. Really? They're losing. Wow. uh, You might just be better at at seeing those things than people who don't play sports games are. But you said you didn't die either. You never lost a match No, but I played a lot of arcade sports games. I I, I was number one at my arcade at NBA Jam for like a year. Well, I'll tell you one thing, though. If you built out your party to be big, slow people, it would be challenging. Yeah, but if you recognize early on that what you want is speed and speed... And the ability and to, the ability to, to re- jump far and, and regenerate stamina, like you yeah. want, like I mean, basically, I mean, it's pretty easy to see. Too. Usually, like each character has two different trees. You can get like very yeah. short trees, but like basically, as soon as those pop up the first time, you can look at each one and say that one. Like, like, yeah. you, like you, you know which one is the good tree. Yeah, basically. speed, 
stamina meter, support, and mm. the ability to respawn as quickly as possible. Yep. Those are the three things I use, and I've just walked through the game. Yeah. Which is also weird because uh, there's a, there's a, you can go through trials for each character yeah. at a certain point, and if you succeed, um, you uh, actually that's the only loss I've ever had is I lost one of those trials the first uh, time. Okay. You mean um, the girl in the wagon that you yeah, yeah. In, the, in the crystal, and yeah. then like the the one girl the, the the girl you pick up whose name you choose. Yeah. Uh, I called I her fa- May. I called her Faye. <laughs> And I and she uh, I failed her trial the first time. Okay. And then got it the second. So that's the one thing I failed in the game. Yeah. After Those like, are a little harder. After though. like seven hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's just it's come down to it. Period. But I'm also like not really here for the challenge. I'm here for the story because uh, which I wouldn't have thought. And like I don't even know what to say to people that like Bastion Transistor because I didn't like those games. Right. But I do like this one. Well, it's very different. Yeah. Don't buy this just because you liked Super Giant's right. first two games. Yeah. Or if you didn't like them. Give it a shot, right? Because like it. it is way different. But yeah. I will say that, like, it's this—it's the sort of the thing. Like, I like the writing and the and the worlds in Bastion and uh, yeah. Transistor, but I felt like the gameplay was stopping me from getting further into it. Whereas this one, the lore and the and the writing and the world is the draw, and the gameplay, like I said, is incidental. So the gameplay is fine enough. But I like this, maybe I like this one and not the other two, because in this one, the gameplay is not in, at all interested in getting in my way of seeing more of no, the you're rest right. of it. You're absolutely right. Um, so yeah. that would be, I guess, why I would hypothesize I like this and not the other two, is that the, the gameplay in this one, unlike the other two, isn't a gateway to more of what I like. No, you're absolutely right. That is a big change for this game, without a doubt. So, so. Hopefully that helps somehow, yeah. if you're trying to decide. Yeah, even though I don't like it that much, I hope the game does well. <laughs> I think it will. I think. It, it, I think it'll, I mean, just I, Super Giant has built a name for itself at this point. Mm-hmm. I think people rely on them for quality. It is a quality game, I would say as well. Oh, yeah, uh, it's well made, well crafted, um, and I want Greg and his company to Art's succeed. Great. But when it comes down to it, I need to be honest, and it just didn't really resonate with me all that much. So I think that's also like the risk you take when you make uh, a game that's weird, like you know, yeah. a game, a game that kind of doesn't care what you think of it. Yeah, and I would say this. All I think all their games are like like all three of their games don't care what you think of them. Oh, yeah. they are what they are, and that's yeah. what they're doing. And if you like it, great. Yeah. So we'll see. I think it'll do okay. I think it'll still sell pretty well, and I hope it does. So I think it will. Yeah. Think it. All right. So let's move on. We're going to talk next about Amiibo and uh, Metroid Samus Returns, which is the 3DS remake of Metroid 2: The Return of Samus. Um, it came out this week that. There are four Amiibo that work with the game. There are two old ones. There are two new ones that I think are just coming out with that game, right? Um, And most of the Amiibo do things that are innocuous. They will give you an extra energy tank. Uh, They open up, like, art galleries Mm. or a soundtrack. Like, once you beat the game, there's a lot of, like, bonus content. Yeah. But there's one Amiibo that you have to have to actually unlock the Game Plus ultra hard mode fusion, for the game. Fusion, fusion is Yeah, the fusion difficulty mode. Mm-hmm. Um, this Nintendo, I feel like, has done a pretty good job with Amiibo so far. Like, I don't ever really feel like well. I've got to... I mean, it's usually cosmetic stuff that you get or extras that aren't yeah, really... Yeah, but then, like, you get into... Like, they're starting to hit a point where, like, I don't know... Because, look, I have a lot of Amiibo uh, figures because I like... You know, I, I get the Metroid ones, I get the Zelda ones... Uh, Fire Emblem ones. I think the Fire Emblem guys translate really well into the into the Amiibo format. Well, the cool little um, me- the actual Metroid one that's coming out for oh, this game Met- is oh, so freaking awesome. Oh yeah, I got that one ordered. <laughs> believe you me. It's like, like I was at E3 and I was walking by. They had like the cabinet in their booth that has basically all Amiibo in it. But at the end, it got to like the new ones that are coming out. And I'm just scanning by with the camera, and then I see the Metroid, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, must have. Oh yeah. 
He's squishy. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. It's like the, one of the best Amiibo I think, think ever. I think that might be the one that unlocks the Oh, of course it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, like Splatoon 2, you can't save a loadout unless you have an Amiibo. Yeah. It's like, really? Like basic game functionality starting to get locked behind these things? And in, like, my main problem with it, because look, I'm getting... Here's the thing, too, about that with Splatoon, is one of the stipulations <clears throat> in the paperwork we got for the review copy was that we could not talk about what Amiibo did See, they in know. the game. Yeah. They know. Yeah. They know what they're doing. And I was like, what? I'm like, I have these old split from the first Splatoon sitting around. I'm like, I'm not allowed to show what these things do in yeah. Splatoon well, 2. All, well, how amazing was it? Like, like, So I read that on Twitter that you couldn't... You had to use an amiibo to save your load. I'm like, how the hell did I not hear that before? I mean, I'm not going to buy Splatoon 2, yeah. but it's like, now, so now you, you, tell, you tell me it's because you weren't allowed to tell people. Yeah. They know. They know what yeah. they're doing. <laughs> like, come on. And like, look, man, I'm getting Metroid Samus Returns. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I have both of those amiibo pre-ordered. Already. Oh, you mean the new ones? The new ones are pre-ordered. I have the two that came out for Smash Brothers already because I, I love Metroids and, and they're decent little figures. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm set for this. However, I still hate it because even as someone, I mean, look, I would buy those Amiibo whether they did anything or not because yeah. I like, Just I like them, the little yeah. figure. I like them. But you're charging 15 bucks for these piddly little DLC things that sh- most of them shouldn't even be DLC, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, bad enough you sold hard mode on Zelda as, as DLC. Because that's really what they're doing. But they're, like, they're, instead of being DLC something you just put your credit card in for right. on Nintendo Online and get something, you're paying for a figurine right. that, that then unlocks, unlocks the DLC. DLC. Which, is, which is worse to me because it'd be one thing if you could just go into a store and buy, the you, you, let's say you buy Samus Returns, Return of Samus, whatever the hell this is. Yeah. You buy <laughs> Metroid. Metroid 2. <laughs> you buy Metroid and you realize, oh, I need I need this to unlock the fusion. It's like it'd be one thing if you go to the store and buy the amiibo, the, the Metroid amiibo yeah. and unlock it. You're not gonna be able to do that because they're gonna be gone. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to the, find the them. Day, at least in America. Distribution seems better in like other places around the world. I mean, every, I, I see pictures from like Australia and Europe where it's like, here's every amiibo ever made on one rack in a Walgreens or whatever. You yeah, know, like, the not equivalent. Here. Yeah. Not here. No, here it's like like the Splatoon two ones gone. Yeah, the the, the Zelda stuff was there day one, and you, I've never seen again. another one yeah. ever again. Like they just they disappear, and Nintendo doesn't put the product in the pipeline. So it's like not only are you doing overpriced DLC, you're introducing the idea of scarcity. Yeah. Like, imagine if they wanted five bucks for horse armor and Oblivion, but you had to get there in time. Yeah. Like, that's, if you only had, like, like an hour to get yeah. it, and, like, otherwise you, you couldn't get it at all. Like, you had to drive somewhere. Yeah. To do it. And it's like, you know, or, or the, like the Smash Brothers, you know, the new Smash Brothers, I mean, they had Cloud and Bayonetta and Corrin came yeah. out, like, a week or two ago. And then they had the special Player 2 versions, which were store exclusives. Those were gone in an hour, like, yeah. like the, the you fire had to em- wait in line outside oh, the yeah. store. Yeah. The Fire Emblem one on uh, uh, was Amazon exclusive. That was seventy eight bucks the day it came out on from secondary sale. It's gone. <laughs> like it's gone. You're paying a hundred bucks each for those things for, if you and, didn't get. And that's it. the only way you can get the DLC for yeah. some of these games now. And it's like it, it's it, I don't look. I don't like the idea of charging twelve to fifteen bucks for these things because and trying to say like oh it's okay because you get a nice little figure. Well, what if you just want. Whatever it unlocks. Whatever is unlocked. Yeah. Why can't there be a, a purely eShop-oriented, cheaper way to do that? And if I, if people don't want plastic in their house, you know? Yeah, I mean, and who wants to pay $15 for a harder difficulty setting right. in a Metroid game? I mean, Metroid games in particular are games that people play over and over yeah. and over again. And I wonder if there's not a little bit of uh, nefarious backdoor stuff going on here where Nintendo knows, hey, people replay 
these games yeah, extensively. This might be the game where we should gate a difficulty setting mm-hmm. behind Amiibo. Well, then you've also got like you know, that you can buy like basically you know like the little card reader things where the, the NFC chip readers where you can just yeah. download each Amiibo into it and scan that when people a lot of people don't, which is you know Amiibo piracy mm-hmm. essentially. And normally I'm very anti-piracy, but in this case I'm kind of like, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, like, if you're going to screw me, put the screws in me like that. Like then... it, again, it would be one thing if it was like, oh, you just don't want to go into a store and buy this thing. Right. But it, you can't go you can't into the store it. and buy yeah. these things They're, unless you want to pay, you know, 40, 50 bucks or more to a secondary scalper market. Like, and, why, and that doesn't help Nintendo, so why not? This is the first time these two games that we're talking about where I feel like Nintendo has really stepped over the line with this. I feel mm-hmm. like it's done a great job in the past. You're right, the scarcity has been a problem all along, and it sucks that if you want to unlock some of those cosmetics and other things that they've unlocked in the past that you may not even be able to if you wanted to, but locking like key features of yeah. a game behind Amiibo, that's like if me. you wanted like Breath of the Wild or it was all, it was a bunch of like costumes and stuff like that's fine. Right. Like I don't I don't that doesn't that's disposable stuff. Some people love that stuff. Some people don't. No one's gonna mm-hmm. like lose out right. if they don't have access. And to And the it. other thing they, that they did I, that I liked in some places was like you know they they've started they started doubled up in places so like different Amiibo like unlock the same thing so you don't have to have all of them. Like that's a little better I guess, but it's at the same time you know again. They do these store exclusives, and like the, the Ocarina of Time uh, link that's coming out was, I think, GameStop exclusive yeah. or something. Gone. Like, if you didn't pre-order that the day it went up, you're never getting one. And who has the time for that? I don't. Like, and it's like I just don't understand the point. Like, it's uh, one, it's like either screw us this way or screw us this way, but not both. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So, it's. My fear is that this is the way forward for Nintendo. That this is well, the beginning. Like, a lot like, of this people... is the litmus test to see test the waters and see what. Oh, kind I think of it's definitely a test. Gets. Yeah, but I've seen a lot of people say, "Well, no Metroid for me then." Yeah. Um, and like, which I, is ridiculous. I, it's ridiculous, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, how else do you send a message to them? No, you're right. I mean, it's like, like we if, always say, you gotta if this is with your something money. that really bothers you, you got to vote with your wallet, as they say. And like, I, you know, I. But Nintendo, here's the and problem. I, and of course, the only result of that is that we're not going to get any more Metroid. Games. Right, right, and that's <laughs> so, the problem. Instead of Nintendo saying to itself, "Hmm, maybe it was over that Amiibo stuff," no, it will say, "Nobody wants People Metroid. don't care about Metroid anymore." Right. Like we said, that's why we didn't put out a Metroid game for X number. Metroid of Prime Four is canceled. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> seriously like the kind of stuff that it might do. It would base its decisions on that stuff. So. Uh, I hope it's not a harbinger of things to come, but I would not be shocked if it, if I, I, it is. Oh, I, I mean, look, man, I I don't have a single uh, Mario amiibo. Actually, I, th- I think I have Rosalind. That's it. Uh, but I can't wait to see what, what stuff I won't be able to unlock in Mario Odyssey. No, you're because right. Because I don't have any of those yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, they haven't talked a ton about amiibo yet for Mario Odyssey. Oh, Other than be... it's gonna, I think it's going to work with, like, every one ever made or something mm. ridiculous. But I'm sure there'll be outfits for everything you can imagine he can wear or whatever. Yeah. But, like, it's going to be the same thing all over again. Yep, it probably will be. I mean... There usually aren't difficulty settings in Mario games. And it's That's like, and it's, it's funny though because like for a while there, they, Nintendo was getting better at distribution, and then Animal Crossing happened. Yeah, and, and what they flooded the stores. They flooded the so stores with Animal Crossing them. stuff, and nobody wanted it. To this day, Target's just it's just Animal Crossing amiibo. <laughs> like, they haven't ordered more amiibo for at Target in West Hollywood for like a year. Because that's how Target looks at it too. Yeah. It's like we ordered all these amiibo, nobody's buying them, and we're not gonna just basically give these away and restock. Oh, they tried. Oh, oh, really? Oh, there was a point where like all the Animal Crossing amiibo at Target was like three ninety nine each, 
and they still they, they need still to go lower there. than that. Though. I mean, they'd be like a dollar. They gotta give them away because nobody like, wants them. It's just a piece of plastic. Right. It's like well, it's also like you're never I've played how many it. Animal Crossing games? I don't know who half these things are. Yeah, it's, like, it's like they went overboard in that. It's like you give me Tom Nook, you give me the mole, and you give me like the the dog that helps you, and yeah, like yeah. that's it. I don't need that. But like that was the whole thing. Like they wanted the New Leaf amiibo to be like. Trading cards or right. something, and like well, it I'll just didn't what, work. Though, when... And now they're back to or- the stores are back to ordering tiny little allocations, like one case of each right. new thing, and they're gone like that. I'll tell you what, though, if and when Animal Crossing comes out for Switch, people will suddenly want those amiibo, though I bet. Yeah, well, that's if I were Nintendo after that, I would probably just make the, the amiibo and the Switch Animal Crossing unlock the best stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. all the all the like retro NES games yeah, yeah. are unlocked through Amiibo that haven't been on haven't been on sale for four years. It could happen. That'll, that'll teach us not to buy crappy animal Amiibo. Yeah, I just feel like this is a cautionary tale uh, that we're basically hearing from Nintendo right now, and it could be you know a sign that things are getting a little more nefarious in in that uh, part of its business. Yeah, so. I don't think it's a cautionary tale. I think it's a signpost for where we're going. I think, I think I hope not. This, is, this is what it's going to be for them from now on. On the flip side of this, this Metroid game looks freaking awesome. Oh, yeah. Me. Oh, it looks incredible. I'm really, really excited for this game. And crappy Amiibo <laughs> handling is not going to keep me from playing the living crap out of this game. And this is also one of those games that is, like, remastered. And, like, it's not just remastered. It's completely remade. Oh, it's a remake. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I'm really excited for it regardless of this. Don't get me wrong. Don't think that I'm like, oh, I don't want to play this now. That's definitely not the case. I'm really excited for it. But uh, I'm just worried more about what happens with Switch software on down the road with uh, Nintendo's little toys. Or the so. same. I mean, it's just like I said. Like if, you, if there's a game coming up that you're interested in for a Nintendo platform, especially the Switch, you better get the Amiibos that are related to it now. Yeah, you're right. Like, uh, you want like, me to get them? Like Xenoblade? Xenoblade yeah. Chronicles 2, better go get that Shulk amiibo. Yeah, because that's right. gonna unlock something. No, you're right. And it's gone. It's you know, I don't, I don't remember the last time I saw that in the store. Yeah, or Fire Emblem Warriors. If you all want the to Fire look. Emblem stuff. Oh yeah. Yep, all that stuff is coming. I up. I caught up on all the Fire Emblem stuff right before uh, this year's. Oh, yeah. came out because I'm like, well, that's gonna be important. And, yeah, and sure enough, yeah, it was useful <laughs> for sure. All right, let's move on. We're gonna talk next. This is the, a lot of Nintendo in this show, by the way. Just a heads up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's. It's pretty much the only company that's done anything this week. And this, this is probably a similar problem. Yeah, <laughs> right here. <laughs> so I was really dismayed uh, last Saturday, almost a week ago. I woke up on Saturday morning and I made a quick uh, look at Facebook, and I see that mysteriously the SNES Classic had finally gone on sale in America. Uh, that night before at like 10 Pacific or something. And I see all these people being like, I got one, I got one, I got one. And I was like all sad face or whatever. And I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, well, I need one from Walmart. I'll hopefully get one from another retailer. Uh, a couple days after that, news started circulating online that some of the people who had bought them had been getting notices from Walmart and or they had noticed that their order had been canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some, one of them, allegedly, <clears throat> reportedly, called... Walmart, and someone on the phone then told them, well, actually, we're probably going to cancel all these. Mm. This is why I was not upset when I saw that story last weekend. And then... Because I knew they were going to do this, because there there are not going to be any pre-orders for this in America. You don't think? I don't think you... No, it's it's coming right up. Like, they didn't do it for an NES Classic, they're not going to do it for this one. Really? Get in line, right now. I didn't realize there were no pre-orders for NES Classic. Really? That was half the problem. Wow, I didn't know that. I thought for sure there were pre-orders nope. for that. 
Wow. Not here. Might have been in Europe or Japan. That's what's crazy. So in Europe, they're already sold out. They yeah. went on pre-sale. They sold out their allotment. It's all done. And here in America, we're just like... Just waiting for whenever it comes out. I mean, you think we're going to have to go stand in line Absolutely. at Toys R Us or whatever to get one of these. Absolutely. Just like the last time. But I'm not going to, so... You know, <laughs> like... I mean, it could be an investment that pays off big time. Nothing's worth that. My time's worth more than that. I'm not, my time's worth more than standing in the line at Best Buy for eight hours overnight. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do that either. If I got there and there's a line like more than 50 feet long, I would just get out of it. I wouldn't even stay in line. Oh, but, but, but I mean, see, that's what happens, though. Like, the, like the, you know, the, the, the nerd FOMO thing, fear of missing out thing. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's like, oh, last year we got in line at 6 in the morning for NES Classic, but this year we're going to have to get in line at midnight because everyone's going to camp gonna out overnight. Everyone knows you have to do it now, so now it's going to be like it's gonna be a Hall H at Comic-Con all over again and i'm just not going to do that like, I don't that can be fun sometimes though hanging out with people waiting for products but this one's not worth it it's like no. look a, a new PlayStation. i already own most of these games playstation 5 sure i have no problem hanging out on the sidewalk all night with people waiting to get something like that but for this like but on you know what, what, I, what I did with playstation 4 I ordered it on Amazon and they delivered it to my house. No, I know. Like, there's no reason for yeah. this in 2017. Unless you didn't pre-order and you're hoping that a store gets right. allotments above what. But the, the point is, were. like, I did not have to like be up at a weird hour or at a certain minute to pre-order a PS4 on Amazon. No, you're right. Yeah. Like, or a Switch, really, or yeah. any of that. St- I, I haven't had to to do anything extraordinary to get any of these from like normal retail channels. But every time Nintendo puts out one of these weird little things, well, not even the weird thing. Switch is like that now. It's like, now it is, yeah. It's like people yeah. are following specific people on Twitter who are following the retailers who are saying, okay, they got them at GameStop now. Go. Yeah, Wario 64 is basically your only prayer at this point it of is, getting yeah. a Switch. Although I've actually seen some photos on social media over the last week showing them in the wild, just sitting on shelves. Mm-hmm. So it appears well, that's going to start happening, that it, I think. Yeah, what I was going to say is that it does appear that Nintendo is starting to get over the hump as far as supply and demand mm-hmm. is concerned. and I think demand is satisfied enough that you're finally going to start seeing some just sitting there. You may get lucky here and there. You just walk mm-hmm. into a store and maybe there's one or two sitting there and you can scoop it up. So that is starting to to kind of satiate the uh, the demand that was there. Um, obviously, once Mario comes out, it's going to start all over again, I think. Mm-hmm. But I think you're going to find this kind of grace period here in the next couple months. Uh, you're going to have Mario plus Rabbids, obviously, coming out in August, I believe. Um, but after that, it's going to be that wait for Mario, and I think in that kind of in-between space, I think you might be mm-hmm. able to just scoop them up from stores. But back to the SNES Classic, um, why do you think that they won't do pre-orders, Matt? What's the, the idea behind that? I don't have a theory on that one. I, I can't understand it either. It's I didn't like, understand why they did it on the NES Classic. I don't understand why they're doing it on this. Do you think it might be a demand of retail partners? Where the retailers are like, look, this item's going to be huge. We want people to come into the store so that they buy other stuff with it. I don't think so. Nintendo doesn't care about that and anything else. Why would they do it on this? Like the my my theory is that they just don't know how many they can make. Yeah. Like that would be the only the the only reason to not take pre-orders is if you don't think you can fulfill them. I mean, they already said that they're going to be more than the NES Classic. That could just be a hundred thousand. No, you're right. Or it could be ten. It could be nothing. (laughs) It could be one more. Because guess what? More NES Classics still isn't enough NES Classics. No, you're right. More yeah. is not the same as enough. Yeah. And if they were going like, to... If, if Nintendo wanted to allay some fears in that, they would come up and say, anyone who wants one of these will get one eventually. But they haven't said that because you're not gonna. Do you think it might be to kind of quell the scalpers a little bit? If people have to go in person to pick them up, 
They can only no. buy one in person, and if you're trying to get someone else to buy it for you, that person has to go wait in only line somewhere. Only buy one in person. That's not how the last one was. Really? No. Stores don't care. Really? Of course not. Oh, I run wow. into this all the time, work, like, buying like you know anything I'm collecting, Transformers, anything like that. Stores don't limit anything unless it's like a really big, like, you know, like a like a big like 4K TV on sale for Black Friday. You get one per person. But generally, like they don't, as long as they move product, they don't care how many you buy. Then why wouldn't someone just go in and buy all of them? They like, do. Really? That's one of the problems with the NES Classic. Oh. Was people were just buying armloads of them. Right, but do you think that maybe that's why they're making people buy them in stores exclusively so that? No, Maybe. that's what happened with the NES Classic. Uh, that's everything they're doing with the Super Nintendo Classic is the exact same as the NES Classic. No pre-orders, nothing online to speak of. You got to go to the brick and mortar store. They haven't even put out a trailer for it, by the way. That's no. why we're watching random footage of Super Nintendo games right now because they have not yeah. put out a trailer for this product at all. They put out like three for the NES Classic. Well, when does it come out? September or something? Yeah. Yeah, you're getting close. Yeah, but I, I mean, with the NES, the day it was announced, there was a trailer for it. Yeah, well, how about how about this as a theory? Uh, they don't need to put out a trailer for it because these things are going to sell out the day of. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's got Star Fox 2 and it. It's a game nobody's played. Well, they, everyone's played it if they've played the ROM or whatever. But, like, it, it's a new Super Nintendo game coming out. Like, they don't need to advertise this. The, the fanatics are going to go for it no matter what. I mean, look, if I were in line waiting for one of these, and the person in front of me, or the person first in line, went and bought them all, I mean, that would be a problem. I mean, that's a per-store basis. Pre- presumably, in that situation, I mean, the, be man- right. the manager would limit it. Yeah. But there is no store policy for that, is what I'm saying. Well, it like, could also be a case where you have a store manager who has a buddy, <clears throat> or maybe even the store manager buys mm-hmm. them all. That's happened. I mean, think about yeah. it. Like, you're going to be able to double your money. People know these things are going to be valuable. I mean, same thing happens with hard-to-find collectibles and hard-to-find toys where, like, you, you never... For those, it doesn't happen as much anymore because I think there's been some... There were complaints, but it's a certain point uh, Masterpiece Transformers are coming to or Toys R Us exclusives. You never find them, never find them, never find them. And it turned out that a lot of, like, you know, the, the store managers were basically buying them up. Like, like the, the, the employees got first crack at them and so you'd never see them on the shelves. And... They'd instantly go up on eBay for twice their retail price. And that's going to happen here, too, probably, depending on the store. You can guarantee that you're going to double your money on each one of these. Easily. I mean, if I had a buddy who was a store manager... 80? 80 bucks. Oh, yeah. Maybe triple. Hell, I'd think about paying 160 bucks for one just so I don't have to wait in line. uh, You're right. It may be worth it to not spend the time in line. But look, if I had a buddy who managed a game store and he called me one day and was like, Hey, Mm -hmm. I got 50 of these here. You can come in and 50, buy as many as you want, more like. or whatever. That's the other. Like, That'd be tempting. I mean, like you see a, a, a line. You say like you see a line fifty people deep. You're not going to wait. If you see a line ten people deep. Don't, you're not going to get even, one. Don't even park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, generally, what happens when you get in these lines though is the manager will come out and hand out tickets, or at least tell people, "Hey, we have X number of units." And but yeah, here's my favorite NHL '94. But <laughs> uh, but anyway, it, it's it's very tempting. And it, I wouldn't even blame people for the, all that much for buying all these things because it's just an easy way to double or triple your money. And if the stores mm. are going to allow it, it's hard to really fault the people for doing it. So, I don't know. Nintendo just seems to have big-time problems with, I just don't with see taking our freaking money. Well, just, just like yeah. the graphic says, take our money. I mean, the scalpers are dick dickheads, but like... Yeah. It's the market there is created because Nintendo won't put the product You're in right. the pipeline. It's Nintendo's fault. Like yeah, if entirely. you if you made enough of them that there wasn't a scarcity issue, the scalpers wouldn't have any reason to do that. Yeah. So 
and you're the multinational corporation that's been around for 110 years, you're, you should have this figured out by now. Nintendo also could have put mandated that all the units are only mm-hmm. sold online, and, and it's one per customer, period, to every retailer. And that would be an easy way to solve it, because you don't have people driving to game stores, hoping mm-hmm. to get one, wasting their time. Split out the allotment to your biggest retailers. Say, this is how many you've got. When they're all sold, it's done. Make yeah, save, message. Save, save mess- the line waiting for switches. Right. Message that to the consumers so they know, hey, when Amazon puts them on sale, when they're sold, that's all there is. I need to be there. Hopefully I get one. If I don't, that's it. I yeah. know I didn't get one. I can lick my wounds and be done with it. That's just way too progressive for Nintendo, though. It's not for that anyone. even that complicated. Well, for anyone, really. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's the same. And also, you, you, you have retail stores that have a, 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 a fear, a, a phobia of having products sitting on a shelf. And retro stuff, you know, that's the other thing is like, you know, there was, there was probably under ordering on the NES Classic because the retro consoles, like the, you know, that's terrible Super Sega Genesis one, and that's being so re-released. That, um, which by the way, don't buy that. Yeah, the sound, comes, sound emulation is I terrible. I think it's coming out again in like a yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the sound emulation on that is not acceptable. Do not buy that Sega Genesis retro console thing. Um, but like those would come out and just sit there for months and months and months. Um, and so people, there's been a paranoia in the retail chains of, uh, you know, collectible or nerd-related stuff sitting there since... Actually, the irony of this is, like, the, like you really started to run into the scarcity problem with the Force Awakens uh, merchandise launch, which was, like, right after Labor Day, I think, yeah. in 2015. Yeah, I have a nephew, so I know and, a lot about all that. And so, like, you... Like, so I went just to see what it was... Because I like those big midnight launches of Star Wars things, usually. And I went to a Target in in uh, L.A. And there were, like, 400 people in line. Oh, my god! And I was like... <laughs> I went to the Episode 1 wow. thing, and there was, like, t- 12. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> there were three 400 people in line. And, you know, most people were there for the action figures. Yeah. Uh, do you know how many they got? They got one case. One case. One case of, of them contains eight figures, and the first person in line bought, <laughs> bought all. all of them. Did anything happen? Were no. there any riots? Or no anything? one realized until uh, that person was out of the building uh. what had happened. <laughs> so by the time we got up there, it was like it was like toy lightsabers and right. like Halloween costumes and, and, like, and like yeah, <laughs> yeah, little like vinyl figures, right. and, and it was like, and it was like. Did you buy anything? No, because no. there was nothing there, and like, and they didn't come out and tell you like this is what's no. left or anything. No, and and the that reason, sucks. and the funny thing is, the reason that stuff like that happens now is because episode one made retailers terrified of that of over ordering because when you they went were stuck to, with it, yeah, went to episode one because I remember going in, it was, it was that was up in Silicon Valley when I lived up there, and we went in, it was like maybe fifty people total. Yeah, they had everything like. 40 of everything, and you just picked out what you want, threw it in the cart, and then all the stuff people didn't buy that night stayed there for months. Because yeah. no one wanted an action figure of a senator. I, had a, I have a buddy who uh, is and like And they've us. never done that again. Like, that yeah. has been like, oh, never over-order for a launch again. But now they've gone the other way, where they order one case, two case, three yeah. case, over a month, and you just can never find the product. Yeah, I have a buddy who's like us, he's our age, grew up with Star Wars, grew up collecting all the original Star Wars, the original trilogy stuff, and when episode one came out, he was like you, he went and he bought everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, like two years ago, I was home for the holidays, and uh, he's like, come here, I want to show you something. And he opened up his closet, and it was literally just packed like Jenga of <laughs> episode one crap. Mm-hmm. And he's like, 
I paid 140 for this. He's like, how much do you think it's worth now? And I was like, I don't know, like 250. He's like, 50 bucks. Yep. Like, the oh, only thing it was worth like a third of what he paid for. The it. only thing in that whole midnight launch episode one thing that's worth any money now is the the, the Naboo Royal Starship. No, oh. because it's the the big right. thing yeah. that no one buys right. that becomes worth something. Supply Everything else yeah. is is useless. Simple like, supply. And I demand. still have I have a whole giant box of still sealed on card Power of the Force nineties like ninety six to to like ninety nine the green green and red cards from when they first started making figures again. Yeah, like. So I, I remember going to. I was when I why I went to Comic Con in 1996 is I want I had to find Lando. You couldn't find Lando anywhere for less than 50 bucks, and so I, I found a Lando for retail and got it there. You guess how much like all those figures are worth? Like maybe a dollar now. Yeah. Like they're useless, yeah. and they're all like bad representations of the characters, and they're all carved like superheroes. Like like Luke has this like 40 inch like <laughs> muscular chest. I'm Guns. like never in the history. Like he looks like he looked on the old poster, right. you know, like like a like all a buff, pulp, like yeah. a, like a pulp like yeah, action yeah. hero. And I'm like, yeah, Mark Hamill wishes he ever looked like that. Yeah. But like, and you can't. And the and the funny thing is, those are the toys that are in. Spider-Man Homecoming. Peter Parker has a bunch of Star Wars toys. And they're all those ni- 90s figures. And I was like, why do you have old Star Wars figures? <laughs> well, if it's his age, if, right? No, he's 16. He's born in 2000. So these figures are three years older than he is. I'm like, what is it? And then oh, I figured wow. out. I'm like, also, you're Disney. You own Star Wars. You want current product. You can just get yeah, it. From, yeah. And I'm like, oh, they're worthless now. And the whole thing is that, <laughs> that Peter and his aunt, like, they don't have a lot of money. Right. So she would have been able to get a ton of those for him. Like, Sega. Brilliant. That's great. That is brilliant good. set design yeah. right there. I have not seen that yet, by the way. That was a huge tangent, but uh, yeah. but that's I mean, the... it's context to the yeah. whole collecting thing, and is it worth it? So yeah. to wrap everything up, is it worth it? Are you going? Do you care at this point? Are you even going to get an SNES classic? Like if I walked into a store and I saw one, sure, which is not going to, but that's not going to happen. So no, no. I will try. I, I will try to get one. Like um, I will like, if. If you find one and text me and say, I, I can get two, I'll say, I'll pay you back. Okay. That's about as far as I'll go. Oh, no, no, no. It's going to cost you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. But uh, I'll try to get one. Like, I'll go to the store. And if I can't... If they... Like, if you text me and you're like, Best Buy is supposed to have some this afternoon. I'm going. I'll go meet you there. Got you, but, got like, you. I'm not going to stand in line from four in the morning on to have a box that plays a bunch of games I already own. I'll, dr- I'll drive to Toys R Us. I don't like Star Fox that much. There's a Toys R Us about a mile and a half from my apartment. I'll drive there. And if I drive by and there's 50 people in line, I won't go. Toys R Us, I wouldn't mess with Toys R Us on this. Really? I would, I would go more the like the Best Buy Walmart route because they're going to get more. Okay. Um, Toys R- also, Toys R Us's distribution is notorious. Okay, now we're getting into me being a yeah, toy yeah. collector. <laughs> Toys R Us's distribution is very spotty because it all goes to a particular warehouse and then this this. Instead of like where best the Best Buy individual Best Buys tend to request how much product they want from the distribution warehouse, yeah. Toys R Us's distribution warehouse decides wh- what uh, to send the stores based on what they think data what they think sells at different stores. Right. So like this makes finding transfor- new Transformers very hard. No, I bet. because you never know which one's going to have what, and just because one say one up in Burbank has one has the new stuff, and you're like, well, I don't want to drive to Burbank, so let's go to the La Cienega one. The La Cienega one might not get that for weeks. Because they don't think that that's what sells the La Cienega one. So I, I would say, unless you get a solid hot tip that they are here now, hurry, to this Toys R Us, I would focus more on like the Targets and the Best Buys and the Walmarts. My last question before we move on. Let's say you find one, and they're going for, let's say, 250 on eBay mm-hmm. or on Craigslist or whatever. Would you sell it or would you keep it? I'd keep it. you keep it. 
because I don't need the money. Yeah. Uh, if I did need the money, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like how can you say no to like a hundred and fifty percent profit or whatever? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like it's too. It's like, just go. You know, for that money, you could like have you could spend the same like the same money on the games you really want to play on the virtual console and buy dinner. You know, like like I. Actually, one I can't last blame thing. anyone for scalping the thing. For capitalism, but, yeah. yeah. One last thing. How much do you think they'll be going for over the holidays on eBay, Craigslist? Oh, like if you want one like between like Thanksgiving and Christmas? Kind yeah, of thing? like if you want to get one, um, one because it'll be long I, sold out. I think they'll go for 300 That's what I think, too. Maybe even more. Maybe more. They could, re- could, could three, three to 400 I, I think, think especially like the week before Christmas when I the think, procrastinators are I think it shopping. would be cheaper to buy a Switch. Oh, yeah. Than to buy an NES, I think you're Super right. Nintendo Classic. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I mean, one thing you can say about Nintendo is it's easier does, to buy a Switch too. It does do a good job of drumming up this hysteria. I mean, love or hate their policies, at the end of the day, it does manage to drive that hysteria, that fan, that fan fervor for its products. That gets it on CNN and all the mainstream. Yeah, but at a certain point, you think they get tired of being hit. Yeah. But it doesn't hurt them. I mean, look at Switch. Yeah. I mean, Nintendo's pretty bulletproof in general. I mean, think about the Wii U. Huge disappointment. That People didn't even think twice about that when they decided whether they wanted to buy a Switch or not. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those... I mean, Pac kind of mentions it. I mean, that is kind of a tradition in, in gaming, though. We're, like, we're, we're pretty fast to forgive the previous generation's mistakes if we like what the new hardware seems to yeah, be. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, it, the, the, I mean, I think the real test of that is going to be uh, the Xbox One X. Yeah. On. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, and also, like, this is, I mean, yeah, this is kind of a, a shitty way to, to handle things. We don't, and we still don't quite know. You know. We never know. Like, Nintendo might be, you know, doing things right. We don't know it yet. And the day comes and there's mountains of Super Nintendo classics everywhere. And they can't even get rid of all of them. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I, I, frankly, I find the Amiibo gating thing actually a little more anti-consumer nefariousness like yeah. there's, there's a lot of different moving pieces in the uh the the product supply issue with the super nintendo classic but the amiibo stuff i think is more like that one makes me anger at nintendo which should say something because i am going to have all the amiibo for that so i'm not going to lose out on any content but i still think it's shitty I, I still think that's that's mean to your loyal customers to do that to them especially when you apparently don't want to make any more of the thing that unlocks the thing. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind that much because I'm already going to buy the things that unlock. You know, even if they didn't unlock anything, I want that squishy Metroid, damn it. Um, but that, to me, is a much more anti-consumer thing than just, like, we didn't make enough of a popular thing. I'd agree. All right, let's move along. We're going to talk but next. no one cares. So. <laughs> I think they do care. You make Mario. Who cares what they say? What they do otherwise? Like, yeah. yeah. I think people Game care. of the year. Game of the year. I think people care. I think they're just m- much more forgiving with Nintendo than a lot of other companies. Well, they're never going to get better if you don't teach them a You're lesson right. someday. You're absolutely right. I think people thought they taught them a lesson with the Wii U, but apparently not. All right, let's right. move on. We're going to talk next about a game that... In one of our pre-E3 shows, we'd already, we already knew Shenmue 3 was not going to be at E3. And mm-hmm. I talked to you at that point, and I said, okay, Matt, do you think, and you're a big Shenmue fan. I'm a fan too, but I would argue you're probably a bigger fan than I am. I asked you, I said, Matt, is this a sign that things are flying off the rails with this game? And you were like, no, I don't think so. Like, you know, it's, and it had, it has been, what, two years now since the game? Yeah, two years, two years in development. The, the Kickstarter We're going to show it at E3, but they said at that moment that it would be shown at Gamescom. And that was sort of what you had consoled yourself with, was like, it's only a couple months, this isn't a sign that things are going awry. Well, 
this week it was announced that Shenmue 3 will not be shown at Gamescom. Um, they're going to be there for yeah. a meet and greet, but they're not showing any new trailers. Which I do recommend you do if you're there because Yu Suzuki's a very nice man. He is. Um, but they're not, there's not going to be a new trailer. There's not going to be any mm. gameplay of the game. So I wanted to bring this topic back around to see if maybe this has changed your perspective on where Shenmue 3 is sitting. Um, I have no idea where Shenmue 3 is sitting, so I not really. Well, I wasn't saying that you had intel and right. you know. I'm just saying these are, to me, two mean... huge warning flags. The two biggest conventions in the world two years after the game started development, and we're still not seeing any gameplay or trailers from it. Yeah. I mean, th- my, my philosophy on the Kickstarter stuff is, like, I, I back the thing, and then I ignore it until it comes out. Like, this thing will eventually be out. It might be years late. It probably will be. I'm matter of fact, I want to give. I mean, a, it is going to be years yeah. late. I want to give. You know a, that I want to give a, a shout out to Sundered, uh, which came out came out uh, today. Yeah. Um, for hitting its Kickstarter campaign expected release date. It was July rare. 2017. Yeah. <laughs> it made it by three days. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen that before in anything I've backed. It made the date it said in its campaign. Well done, Sundered. And getting some pretty good reviews too. Yeah, it's doing all yeah. right. But I mean. That is extraordinary because when I back happens, when I so. back a game on Kickstarter, I look at the estimated delivery date. And I'm like year after that. If it's if it's a year after that, then I'll start to worry. Star Citizen. Well, they didn't even give a delivery date for Shenmue, did they? I think they did. I think they said end of this year, <laughs> like December 2017. Not which happening. Is clear. I think that's what they said, which is clear. I mean, so I'm expecting it December 2018. If we still don't see anything by like GDC next year, E3 next year, yeah, then we're in some trouble. Something's up. Well, it's definitely not going to hit its... still up, It's probably definitely right now. not going to hit its release date. No, 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 no. There's no way it's coming out this year. But to me, in my head, the release date is December 2018. Okay. Because it's a year after the Kickstarter... All these big Kickstarter game projects, especially when they involve names, names of people... Yeah. Uh, usually, usually a year. Yeah. Mighty Number no. 9 actually beat them. Mighty Number no. 9 was only nine months late. Probably should have taken those extra three months. <laughs> yeah, at least. And now they're, what was it? Now they're sending out... Uh, the boxes? Yeah, yeah. You see that? They're yeah, that. but they're not boxed. No, they're not boxed, and they don't come with a game, and you have to put the box together, and the manual doesn't fit in the box. Yeah. And it's like, you're now you're doing it on purpose. That's just juvenile. Trolling, yeah. yeah. Well, he's got the money now. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The same month that it's in the Humble Bundle. Right. It's, yeah, it's yeah. like people. <laughs> just rubbing the salt in the wound. So it doesn't seem like you're all that alarmed by this, because your really. expectations were set differently. I mean, my expectations basically don't exist at this point. Like, I... Like, it'll probably come out, and maybe it'll be okay, and that's, I mean, I'm a big, I was a big Shenmue fan back in the day, but I don't think the game holds up it today doesn't. at yeah. all, um, in any respect. It actually, I mean, it looks okay. We're seeing it right now. For, but like. Does it look okay? Ooh, look at that, look at that ground <laughs> texture. It's so funny, it's like Sam was right on cue, you're like, it looks okay. <laughs> nah. And then they show this wooden plank, and I'm plank like, I don't know, a, bro. A rectangular I car. Look at the trees. I mean, so I played this. Uh, I think it was like it was right before, right around the time the the Kickstarter. So I think it must have been summer twenty fifteen. Yeah, I, I got a VGA box for my Dreamcast and I played it. And um, yeah, it was an, it was another time. I think I've talked about that before. Yeah. Uh, it's still pretty impressive for nineteen ninety. Oh yeah, I mean what it, I what mean, they did for that time? It's amazing. This game is almost twenty years old, and I played. You know, I just played uh, through in preparation for the the final version or whatever of Dreamfall chapters. I replayed Dreamfall: The Longest Journey. Yeah. The second one. Yeah. Holy crap! 
that game came out. So that game came out in 2006. And I kept playing stuff. And like, well, like the, the interface is terrible. Like I can't figure out how the inventory works half the time. Like and like everyone's face is like like a dead mask and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's 2006. <laughs> and then I think, like, you know what came out in 2006? Gears of War. Yeah, I know. It's like there's no excuse for this. <laughs> no, there's shit. not. There's not. But this game looks better than that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, for its time, very impressive. Yeah. But that doesn't make it good. No. And <laughs> it's my, hard to play now. My big question, and I wonder how much of this is related to their reluctance to show it off, is how do you make this new game control? No, no, because no, no. I'll tell you this much. They've got to make it control like modern games. But then you alienate the Shenmue fans. Because the Shenmue fans want it to play like Shenmue. That's so but Shenmue dumb, plays like shit. Do they, do they really want it to play? Can, yes. I mean, really? I mean, I've seen tons of Shenmue. I was like, if you don't use the right trigger to run, it's not Shenmue. And I'm like, well, then I hope it's not Shenmue yeah, because I don't want to play that. <laughs> I, I, I just did that and it wasn't fun and I spent all this time accidentally picking up oranges and shit. Yeah. I, didn't wanna, <laughs> I don't want to do that in a new game. Well, I'll say this. I am nervous about this the fact that it's been two years and they don't feel like it's a, at a place where they can hack together a trailer or at least show us a five minute gameplay segment from this game to mm -hmm. me though that's a big red flag and i said it before e3 and i'm saying it again now especially that it's not being shown at gamescom those are huge red flags to me well, two this, years this that's is just a, a long time this is just a huge pipe dream to me i mean it's like it's like i think i mean you're not wrong but i just like I, I threw my whatever 20 bucks or whatever at this thing, and I'm just like, well, I hope I see you again. Like, that's. It's like that's fishing it. with no bait. You're like, you throw out the hook. Yeah. You're like, I'm probably going to catch I mean, anything, but if I mean, I maybe do... <laughs> I'd be more invested if I did the $500 pledge for the jacket or something. You that's know? the thing, but though. Like, I mean, there are other people who are far more invested in this. Yeah, well, that's their problem. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you didn't so, learn anything so, from Star Citizen. So I don't know caring, what Matthew Kyle. Hey, fooling his money. <laughs> that's what these things are. You're throwing money in a hole and hoping something pops up in a couple years. No, you're right. There's people that are six figures in the hole on Star Citizen. You think that's going to work out okay? Well, never. No. Well, never. <laughs> I mean, but if I had put down 60 bucks on Shenmue 3, I'd be starting to get a little antsy right now. Maybe. But it's like, that's just the nature of this beast. Is like, you, you throw money in a hole and you hope one day that money comes. If you love that $60, let it go. If it was meant to be, <laughs> set it free. It, it will come. It will come you. back in the form of Shenmue Three. <laughs> if it comes back to you, it was and if meant it never to be. comes back, it was never meant to be. <laughs> Do you think though that Yusuzuki's maybe... wallet was meant to be, yeah. but you were not meant to be? <laughs> Do you think maybe this game's a little different though because of it, the way it was presented on Sony's stage at its biggest press conference of the year and sort of, but like at the same time, it's like I I tend to put this in the same slot as Final Fantasy VII remake. Yeah. Where it's like that was an awesome reveal. See in twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like you know, like it's 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 a it's like I mean they're sort of the opposites because this is like a crowd funded like you know grassroots right. fan thing. Whereas like Final Fantasy VII is as corporate, like, cynically corporate a move as you could possibly imagine to the point of taking it away from the people they hired to do it and doing it in house now. Right. Which means yeah. we're probably not going to see Final Fantasy sixteen announced until twenty twenty. No, you're right. And like, well, if Square's smart. Because yeah. it shouldn't announce Yeah, because stop announcing stuff eight years before it comes out. You remember there was that period from like 1998 to 2001 where we got a, a Final Fantasy game a year? I know, yeah. It was just like seven, eight, nine, ten, all just in a row. Yeah. And now it's like you wait 13 years between installments and, and they just put out spin-offs. And yeah. it's like, if you don't like lightning, sorry. You know, yeah. Final Fantasy is useless to you for a decade. Um so, like, I tend to put that in those, those two games kind of in the same slot. They were both announced at the same Sony conference. They were both there to make, you know, 
fanboys wet fanboys their pants. freak out and <laughs> and um, and Bosman loses actually, shit. You know, they actually, they were there so people would buy the PlayStation Four. Super hyped, yeah, and it worked. And also, like, let's not forget, I keep forgetting this thing's on the PlayStation Four. Yeah, I keep thinking of it as a PC game. I don't even yeah. know if it's going to be on PC. Yeah, I think it will. Maybe. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, with that engine, probably. Yeah. Um, but like. I, it's just not a game I think about. I guess would be the way to. to I to do put it. Like <laughs> I do think about it. And I'm and I have a Shenmue poster on my wall, and I just don't even. I'm saying like, yeah, Shenmue, Shenmue two. It's like it's like I just don't <laughs> think about Shenmue three. It's like it'll be here when it's here, and if it's not here, it'll never get here, and that'll be the end of it. Yeah. And I know that's kind of like a cavalier way to treat something you've thrown money at, but it's like I when I make a Kickstarter pledge, I'm like, do I need this money? Do I ever miss this money? Do I care what happens to this money? And the answer to all those things has to be no. Right. Because you're basically gambling. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's the same. You have to have the nice. same attitude you have when you put money down on a roulette table. And so far, the roulette table has treated me pretty well. But one day, it's gonna. One of the you're things I really, yeah. I really care about is going. I have a, lot, a couple. You know, like like Clang. I, I put I put like fifteen bucks towards Clang just to see what happened. Right. And the drama around that was probably worth fifteen bucks. Wow. Frankly, because if it weren't um, for people like you, the drama wouldn't exist. Yeah, there's like, and there's a couple of uh, like, there's a couple of like little indie things I backed. Like, there's something I, I can't remember the name of it anymore, even. But I backed it like before G, uh, G4 collapsed. Yeah. And like the the release date was like 2012, and it still updates. Like it's you know this is like seven years later almost. Like since I backed that in like 2011, it was right after broke the Broken Age Kickstarter. I'm like, oh, that looks cool. I'll do that. And it's like. Every once in a while, they still up. It's like, we just hired an artist. It's like, good, great, awesome. So it's like, that's just how that works. And people, I've still only ever backed one thing ever on Kickstarter. I've backed it, like, it failed. I've backed like 40-something 40, 40 things. And wow. almost all of them have come through. And most of them are exactly what I hoped they'd be. That's good. Uh, you know, Wasteland 2 was the first one I went in hard on because I love Wasteland. Mm-hmm. And Wasteland 2 was not fantastic, but it was what I hoped it would be. And yeah. it got better. And uh, what other thing? I mean, I, I'm a backer of Star Citizen. And, uh, Big time. At this point, I'm kind of like, I don't know, but it's kind of fun to watch. You know, it's like, <laughs> That's very, expensive entertainment. Very expensive entertainment, <laughs> but you gotta pay, you got to pay for the good shit. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I mean, they got That's sued funny. by Derek Smart. I mean, it was it's, yeah. it's hilarious. It's amazing. <laughs> it's it's like, uh, you know, everyone's no like when Derek Smart showed up to, to, to call Chris Roberts out on the bullshit on that one, yeah. all I could think about was... Um, the original Clash of the Titans, where uh, Perseus goes to see the witches, and the witches tell him that he has to go kill Medusa to defeat the Kraken, and one of yeah. the witches goes, A Titan against a Titan! I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. when that happened. I'm like, here we go! The, or- the original space guy is going to defeat, attack the other original space guy, really, but like, and yeah. nothing happened. And yeah. nothing came to- <laughs> Man, all right. Well, love I it. just wanted to I get. It. I just wanted to check your pulse on Shenmue three a little bit after. Yeah, I mean, this recent announcement. Everything you say is true. Yeah, but like, I can't really get worked up about it because I'm, I'm content to sit and wait. So you're at the point with this game where if it ever shows up, you're going to be elated, and otherwise, it's just Maybe. kind of also, what you expected. Also, like, I kind of expect this game to be like a six out of ten. Yeah, you know, like, I I, t- I definitely. Wish I mean, this is well. like. This I mean, is... I hate to say I ever have preconceived notions about a game, but based upon the fact that Yu Suzuki hasn't made a game right. like this in like twenty years. I mean, it's just. And I... how far that genre has moved on since yeah. then. I mean, you're really in a position of like, you don't want to prejudge it, but it's like 
keep those expectations so low, you'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Feels like kind of the wise path here. Yeah. Um, also, the initial looks at it that were and I'm not I'm not going to exactly encouraging right. either. So. Well, I'm also I'm not going to lie. Like every time, like one of these big names steps up, you know, I mean, Mighty Number no. Nine is still fresh in the brain. Yeah. We hope Bloodstain turns out well. Um, looks pretty good so far. It looks like it's going to take another two years to finish too. Yeah. Though. Which is like you you've made these before, right? Like it doesn't. Why does it? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. The, I don't know the realities of game development on, on, on that kind of yeah level. Yeah. Um, but it's just like yeah. I mean, it'll get here when it gets here, and we'll play it, and we'll be like, hmm. Like part of me is like backing this was almost an obligation to me yeah. as an old Sega a lot fan, of felt that way. as a as a as a Shenmue fan, as a Yuzuzuki fan, as just someone who wanted to see those names in in the world again. You know, because Yu Suzuki has become pretty much irrelevant. Yeah, over time. And he used to. I mean, this man made some of the greatest games of all time. Yeah, back in the day. I mean, he used to be kind of mentioned in that upper tier of developers, oh, along yeah, with like Miyamoto we, and those guys. Him so. and Miyamoto and Yuji Naka. Yeah, and Yuji Naka has fallen off the map. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different world now. Yep. Yep. All right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about. Uh, Nintendo put out yeah. its financials. Oh, I should also note that I would probably be a little more antsy about. Shenmue if we weren't getting regular Yakuza games. That's true. Because Yakuza games kind of scratch They itch. are. Well, they are really the new Shenmue. They're, the they're, they're Shenmue adapted for modern gameplay and modern yeah. sensibilities with that same sort of like immersion in another culture for a Western player and kind of an immersion of a fantasy element of the culture if you're in Japan. Because um, that's not really what Yakuza are. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah like, you're right. It's, yeah. it's like a, a romanticization of, of a, a very like terrible organization yeah so like that kind of scratches that same itch and that's also kind of what i'm worried about with shenmue 3 is like is shenmue 3 going to be as good as yakuza probably i have a hard time thinking it will think about the teams that they have working on yakuza versus Mm -hmm. the team size for shenmue yeah i think you're right i think people should temper their uh expectations for shenmue 3 and temper those expectations somewhere into fiscal year 2020 maybe yeah yeah, I'll, see, I'll see you in mid-2019 if we're lucky. I just wonder how long it takes till all these people start well, we, getting pissed. Right. Because I don't think a lot of people are in the position you're in. Some people are really anxiously are waiting it. for this game. Well, the other thing is, like, I wonder, you know, some people will get pissed, I guess, but it's not going to be on the level of, like, it's always going to feel like a dull roar compared to, like, things like Star Citizen or uh, Shroud of the Avatar or these yeah. things that have been, A, been in, in development for years and years and years, but B, have continued to take... Uh, pledges from people post Kickstarter campaign. Right. When they have well, I mean at least Star Citizen is especially in the last couple of months, is really starting to roll out media for that game. Yeah. I mean I think Star Citizen will come out. Yeah. I mean people say I, it's I vapor. So I don't think it's vapor. It'll come out. I think it'll it'll come out and on day one it will be phenomenally disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> people are gonna expect to be riding through the stars in their Star Cruiser with their captain captainship of ten you know players in their Corvette and they're gonna yeah. be like, wait like, there's three stars, and I can go to one planet, and even that doesn't really work very well, and, like, most of this, my gameplay is spent standing on elevators, and, yeah. like, like it's going to be something like that. It's going to be, like, a thing where it's, like, when this finally comes out, everyone's going to be like, oh. And then, like, two years later, once they've built it up into something, it'll probably be awesome, but you're talking about something... That's, that's when I'll jump in. You're talking, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're talking about something that's After almost... everyone a, else paid for all of it. You're about something that's probably into, well into the next decade. Yeah. So... And that's the other thing is like everyone drools over how much how gorgeous Star Citizen looks and the Cry and all this stuff Cry Engine or whatever it's on now it's on the the lumber thing I guess, um, but by the time that game comes out all games are going to look like that yeah 
Like, they're just showing you stuff early no, right. in a way that other games that are in development for that time period are not showing you things. Well, some, someone will start a game a year from now, and it'll come out at the same time as Star Citizen, probably. Right. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting to watch that kind of come to fruition. We're going to talk next about Nintendo's financials a little bit, um, well, in a roundabout way. Uh, Nintendo's going great. <laughs> Shocker. Uh, its stock price has just continued to skyrocket. Um, they It released software sales for all Switch games. Even ARMS has sold a million copies at this point. Which is surprising because ARMS is so dead on Twitch. Yeah. You, I mean, I, I, I periodically have checked the... I, I wonder if it's because people who were playing ARMS have now switched to Splatoon. Too. Probably. But I was looking at the... Like, you know, can look at the channel for like a, like a game... A, a, everything that's playing under a particular yeah. game on Twitch. Yeah. And there was nothing, nothing. And then at, some, at like 2 in the morning a few days ago... An arms stream popped up, and it was called "Why doesn't anyone like this game?" <laughs> and I'm like, it, "It's like, look, I see mostly positive stuff from people who own the game and play it, but yeah. it's just interesting to me how it it died after day a couple of days on Twitch, and I don't know why." Read my eval. <laughs> It'll yeah, tell yeah. you why. <laughs> but uh, Splatoon two, holy cow! Splatoon two blowing it up. Oh, uh, in Japan, six hundred thousand something in copies? three days. That's crazy. In three days, dude. Breath of the Wild has sold pretty much one to one with Switch. So there's four point seven million Switches out there worldwide now. Obviously, I was wrong. Unless it only sells another three hundred k for the rest of the year. I said five million before the end of the year. It's going to just destroy that. So I was way off. Um, but Zelda's sold almost one-to-one with the system worldwide. Uh, Mario Kart 8 has actually sold better than Zelda if you if you look at units sold per time on the market. Mm. Um, so everything's coming up roses right now for Nintendo Switch. I mean, pretty much everything Nintendo releases is doing great. Even like... And the uh, revenue is up like the highest it's been in like six years or something. Yeah. Like they're year over year. Yep. And... Uh, even Street Fighter 2 almost sold a million copies worldwide. I mean, it's just like people are just gobbling up any software they can get for this thing. And I think that speaks to the... Imagine uh, if they priced it correctly. Yeah, exactly. And I think that speaks to the portable nature of it. Because I think a lot of people are really like, holy cow, I can't believe I can play games of this quality outside of my living room. And I can mm. take them anywhere I want to. So I think that's a big reason why it's selling so well. But amidst all of these glowing reports, uh, Nintendo basically announced that Metroid Prime 4 will not come out in 2018. So we're looking at 2019 at the earliest for Metroid Prime 4. And we've talked before on this show about how we're in the honeymoon period with Switch right now. And everyone's still trying to get them. And we've got Zelda, which a lot of critics say is one of the best games ever. We have Mario coming out at the end of the year. But then we've also talked about, okay, well, what happens after that? Mm-hmm. And what happens after that is Smash Brothers, which hasn't even been announced yet, but we know it's coming. And Metroid Prime 4. And then what? Pokemon. Pokemon, they said maybe next maybe year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. And Yoshi and, you know it's and not. Kirby. Is, yeah, I thought Yoshi and Kirby were for this year. Yoshi and Kirby are beginning uh, first half of next year. Okay. So basically we're looking at right now... Those are, uh, the way I interpreted Yoshi and Kirby were those are their quarterly... You know, Nintendo puts one quarterly release out. And yeah. I think Yoshi and Kirby are quarter one, quarter two next year. So... What we're lo- so what we're looking at is after Mario, a, a year or more... A very dark time for the Rebellion. Yes. Like, it could get really bad I mean, I, next I'm year. I'm pretty sure I called Metroid Prime 4 2019 when they announced it. Like, yeah. I, I, it was obvious that game is two years out. Well, it sounds like they haven't even started work on it. I mean, no. where, what is Retro Studios doing? What is, is it f- doing? 
hopefully whatever their big the big game for the fall next year is because I don't know who else is going to come out of somewhere to do that. Like, I mean, what I guess, in the world is their fall game next year? I mean, I guess that's got to be it. It's got to be either that or they're really counting on Pokemon making it. And why hasn't it shown Retro's game? That's a good question. I, I'm completely baffled by this this whole thing. I mean, I wonder if it's partly maybe Nintendo does want to kind of move closer to a you know uh, like a Bethesda style thing where like they sh- they don't show stuff as far out anymore. I mean, certainly that's happening with Mario Rabbids. I mean, yeah. they, they they showed it for the first time in June. It's coming out at the end of August. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Showed Mario Odyssey for the first time you know there in January, but you know because he got it because it's a you know, system launch, sure. Yeah. But you blow it out in June and then you release it in November. Great. Like, that's a good time period. I like yeah. that. Um, so maybe they just don't want to announce Retro's game a year and a half before we get to play it, um, which I support. Also because, like, you know, I, it really feels like they showed the Pokemon and the, and the Metroid Prime thing to shut us up. Yeah. Because, because they're like, we, we wanted to kind well, of... they have nothing to show, right. so... But also because, I mean, I think Reggie is more or less telling the truth when he says we wanted to assure the players that these games are in the pipeline and they're coming even though they may have just been started at least we're doing it right right um which is like on one hand er, and on the other hand at least i appreciate that they're willing to say commit to it kind of um well with retro presumably retro's game is a new ip which means there's not any hype to be had unless it's another stupid ass donkey Kong well platformer. yeah but at the same time nobody cares anyway i, mean, I don't think i mean it, look I don't tropical think freeze it is. is a great game tropical freeze is amazing but it didn't sell it doesn't move hardware so, it, it never will and I think they need to divert. I mean, the big thing they, Nintendo needs to do here for this new system is they need to diversify. And um, they're, I mean, they're doing that through uh, supporting indie games getting ported over. I mean, they're 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 filling that niche that way. But I think their first party output needs to diversify as well, because uh, you ain't going to sell anybody a Christmas Switch in 2018 with Pikmin. No. Um, you'll sell me Pikmin, but I already have a Switch. Yeah. Um, so I think. Uh, Retro wouldn't surprise me if whatever Retro's working on is A, new, and B, their their anchor game for October, November next year. Because I don't know what else they have. Well, I mean... I don't know what else their teams could be doing. Because you've... I mean, the Zelda, whatever Zelda team... The Zelda team's doing something, you know, DLC still. And I would presume their next game would be basically a, a Majora's Mask style re, reworking I'm of sure. the assets yeah. for another Zelda. Because this system needs a second Zelda game. No question. Yeah. Especially when you made one that good. You might as well take what you've done, remix it, and give us a. And that's the thing. Nintendo thing. did a lot of the initial front end work with Breath of the Wild. It mm-hmm. had to figure out the engine and how is it going? Is it going to hold up in an open world environment? And how do we make sure that an open world is exciting at all times? Right. It has. It's already went through all its growing pains. It has mm-hmm. the template now. It should be able to barf out another Zelda in like two right. years. And look, like if you just give me another, you know, like basically a reskin Breath of the Wild with like six to eight real dungeons in it, yeah. like you get my money right now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's well, I still... take everyone's money right oh, now. Oh, sure. Yeah. But there's still, what I'm saying is like there's, you, that concept, the Breath of the Wild, like, template is not milked to the point that anyone is sick of it at this point. I mean, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe I'm sick because I played 130 hours of it in that sense, but will I play another one with new, a new map and a new content and, and real dungeons and stuff, like, absolutely. Like, yeah, right, yeah, like sure. right now, like, plug it in. I just wonder if so, Nintendo, at this point, wonders if it even needs to make a new Zelda game. If it can just keep releasing DLC for Breath of the Wild in perpetuity. I don't think that's going to happen. But it's so easy for it to just create a dungeon and just... Well, they said... Here it the is. Thing, the thing in December is that's it. That's the end. Yeah. Breath of the Wild is done. Nintendo, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised Nintendo if that is, ends up Nintendo's, being true. I would be very surprised if it was not the end. 
uh, Nintendo isn't at the point where they're... They, I don't think Nintendo knows the game as platform service thing yet. I don't think they're... Fire Emblem is kind of doing that. Yeah. Has been doing that for the last couple of installments. Yeah. But I don't think they're quite there with their big franchises. I mean, I Mario Kart 8? I mean, was a game as a platform. Yeah, but like, that's not a Mario game. Yeah, it's yeah. not the, the core Mario. It's not a core Zelda game. Like, what I, I do think what you're saying here might apply to the next Zelda. Yeah. Would not surprise. Or it's just called Zelda. Especially <laughs> the Legend of well, Zelda. Well, remember, the Breath of the Wild is basically a remake of the first Zelda. Right. So maybe the next one will be a remake of the second Zelda to some degree. I would hope um, not. <laughs> well, I mean, in the sense that it's like they're continuing that story. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, you know, whatever happens right. there. Uh, Zelda goes to sleep. Yeah, I, I would like it if Link goes to sleep and you play as Zelda. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that might be what was happening with yeah. uh, Breath of the Wild. It wasn't the case. Well, Link so. did have fabulous hair in those trailers. Yeah, but um, <laughs> it's. Uh, I, I wouldn't surprise me if like they built the second Zelda out to be more of a platform, you know, game as service thing where they could, you know, do something like Splatoon two where they keep feeding you content. But I don't think Breath of the Wild is built for that. Uh, beyond the hooks they've already put into the the one part of the map. Um, but can they get that ready for next year? I don't think so. Uh, so there's got to be something. It's got to be retro. Retro's game has to come out Presumably. next year. Presumably, which is good news. Yeah, I'm totally cool with that. Unless it's Donkey Kong. I mean, uh, Tropical Freeze came out what two and a half years ago? Is that right? Uh, Maybe somebody in chat knows. I want to say that was like April 2015, but I might be wrong. That sounds about right. Yeah, I bought that. Because it came out in spring, but I bought it for someone as a Christmas gift, and I can't remember when, which Christmas that was. It was either 2015 or 2014. 2014, people are saying. February, February 2014. 2014. So it's already been three years. More than three and a half years. Wow. I mean, what? not only should Retro's game be done, it should be, like, the best game ever. <laughs> like, mm. it's been three years. Things That's pretty a, crazy. Things take a long time now. Wow. Not that long. I mean, look, another Battlefront's coming out. Like, this well, year. Like, man. That's crazy. I got three words for you on that one. Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, McWomble's saying, or wait, someone's saying uh, 2018 is 2D Mario and Animal Crossing. Hmm? Cheater hater, that's what he's saying. But... That's still, in my opinion, a bad year. <laughs> like, yeah, and I know Animal, 2D Mario sells. Animal Crossing can get into that. That's not a, a draw. For I anyone. also don't, I don't believe that. I don't think Animal Crossing is going to come out next year for, no. for Switch. No, definitely not. Um, I, I, they're working on a mobile version of it that's been delayed like three mm. times now. Um, That'd I'd, be a separate team from the people working on the Switch version. Though. You would think... Nintendo didn't work on its own mobile games. Uh, none of them? I don't think so. I think they have teams. They've Obviously, Niantic did Pokemon Go. and I don't get the, I'm not getting the impression that they do internal development on those. Hmm. I don't know who does it. But yeah. I don't know. I haven't really researched that. Um, Speaking of which, I thought about talking about Pokemon Go Fest today, but that has just been beaten into, the, yeah. beaten into the dirt over the last week. It didn't get me to turn it on again. Yeah, so. <laughs> it didn't get me to do it either, but... Uh, yeah, whole holy debacle what that was, and now they're being sued mm-hmm. by uh, by the people who went. It's like, why would you sue a company? I mean, obviously it's the the fault of the carriers, not. I mean, 
Yeah, but at the same Niantic can't make them shove more bandwidth into downtown Chicago. Well, they, then maybe they shouldn't have held the event right. there. Yeah, it should have anticipated that there might be Like, issues, you have yeah. to get Wi-Fi up for that, then. Yeah, like, like massive, like, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi towers. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's got to be a real... I mean, you got to plan this shit. It's like... But then you know what happens. Also, it's like, like, hey, hey, you know the game we have that, like, when a lot of people try to log on at the same time, it tends to, like, go to hell? What if we got everybody in one place and made them all log on at the same time? Yeah. Oh, and let's extend it to everybody. Yeah. You know, let's all have, like, a worldwide thing. It's like, oh, it all went down, really? Yeah. How shocking. That that whole event was just embarrassing. Not because... It wasn't even really the the technical issues. It's how they handled them. Mm -hmm. The host didn't even know how to say Pokemon. She stood there and said Pokemon, Pokemon all day long. And, you know, if you're a Pokemon fan, you know when someone says it wrong. And it's just like time after time. And then That's the thing I, I've never understood. Like, people don't research, like, what thing, how things should be pronounced and stuff if you're talking to fans. That's a Transformers thing, too. Yeah. Uh, you can tell if someone doesn't, isn't a fan of Transformers, doesn't know Transformers, because a fan will say Transformers. Right. And, if, and someone who doesn't will say Transformers. Ah, Interesting. Because that's how you pronounce the, you know, the mechanical yeah, part. Yeah. You know, a transformer is the thing that, right, you know, right. in electrical engineering. <laughs> but a, a, the that's toy funny. is a transformer. Yeah, yeah, I've always said it that way. Because that's how the narrator said it in, in the, the it's like, yeah, a transformer. Right. Yeah, like you're thing, right. you know, And so that's how you tell a fan <laughs> of transformers. And sometimes you'll get people getting up there from Hasbro or something going transformers, and everyone's like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's the instant. Like Pokemon. Judgment. Pokemon is the same thing. <laughs> that's how that's how moms say it. It is. You know? And she looked like a mom. Pokemon. Yeah. Let me sh- my Pokemon. Let me show you them. And it had a lot of. Uh, I don't know if you watched any of it, but there's like super cuts out there that just, oh, chop, just chop it down game. and like you know they I were. I saw the booing of the Niantic. Uh, tossing to influencers. Law. The one guy I think said the f bomb. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was just a total unmitigated. Disaster. Oh, let's be honest. If it really was a world of Pokemon trainers, fourteen year olds running around the world like ca- capturing monsters, making them cockfight like absolutely they'd be swearing all of them but <laughs> these kids would be like sailors you yeah <laughs> that's the pokemon movie i want to see yeah no, Ho- pe- people homeless, typing tomato tomato p- potato potato homeless 14 year olds yeah we haven't had a shower in weeks <laughs> wandering into into gyms that are really just like hostels yeah you know? and like yeah. like throwing <laughs> throwing rats at each other <laughs> Picking uh, syringes out of their feet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> on that note, we'll move on. Uh, so, on Monday night, we had a great Sifted Summit 2017. Uh, it is something that I should have been done before because it was a really great exercise and it was a great chance for you guys to uh, provide your input. Um, and I wish I had done it before. And some people suggested if the site actually lives on, that it's something we should do more regularly. I completely agree with that. Um, that is something we would probably do at least every six months if the site actually continues. So thank you to everybody who showed up. I know there's a lot of people who watch Game Face who did not watch the summit and were not at the summit live. Uh, so I do want to thank all the people who did take the time to show up and offer their input. It was amazing. You guys were great. Uh, it was really constructive. Um, I'm sure you guys are all wondering what is going to come out of our meeting. And uh, I'm here to share some of that stuff with you guys right now. Um, so... After our summit, I took all your information that you gave me and took all the votes and went back and read through all the chat. That literally took like two hours reading through the chat to make sure I didn't miss any of uh, your guys' takes on anything. So it took quite a while before I could actually kind of gather all the information and put my thoughts together. Uh, But I have come to some conclusions. And 
The first conclusion that I'll share is one where I went completely against all you guys, and we are keeping the studio for at least another month. So, um, I, in in the summit, I kind of expressed that uh, that that was something I didn't necessarily agree with, and I didn't think you guys maybe understood why. Um, I think you'll see why I'm keeping the studio. <laughs> what are you What are you guys laughing about? I'm just leaning into you. Uh, you always do that. I'm doing that. <laughs> We are keeping the studio for another month, though, at the very least. Um, it's freezing in here. It is freezing today. My toes are like ice cubes <laughs> right now. Um, and my landlord actually was very nice about it. Um, he's like, okay, you know, you, you have flexibility. If When you're ready to leave, let me know. He's basically got us on a month-to-month -month lease, so I'm not locked into like another year. So I have flexibility with the space. Uh, I want to wait and kind of take a wait-and-see approach before I ditch the space, because once I get rid of this, we will not have a space for a really long time. So... Anyway, I wanted to clear that up and let you guys know that. Don't get too angry about it. And I see people saying, go with your gut, and that is my gut, and I think that's the right call. The big thing you guys all want to know is what is going to happen with Patreon. And we are moving to Patreon. Um, it's already in the works. <laughs> I've already been working on the Patreon page. Um, not launched yet. Worked on pretty much the entire... The entirety of this week on everything that needs to be changed on sifted to make it work with patreon uh, just there's tons of little stuff that was all tied into our old subscription system that has to be tweaked or changed so that it will work with patreon so i worked on a list of all that stuff and i'm going to share that with you here in a second uh, had a meeting with brent yesterday I actually tossed this stuff to him like two days ago said hey put together a quote for me to get all this stuff done uh, he sent me the quote for it and then we had a call yesterday to kind of walk through all the stuff. So here's the list of stuff that I sent Brent. And this is just the first wave of changes that are going to be coming to Sifted. Um, and then there's a whole other section of things that are changes that I want to make to the site. And a lot of it is based on the feedback that I've got over the last like week and a half or whatever. Uh, but aren't necessary uh, essentially, or essential for our switch to Patreon. Uh, the other thing I want to say is don't go out and message this yet. Like this is just for us. Um, there's going to be like a, the day, there's going to be a big event that we make out of going to Patreon uh, where we'll get all our friends in the industry to retweet it all at once and we'll make it like a big thing that will hopefully build some momentum so people will go and uh, support us on Patreon. So don't go on Twitter and everything and be like, oh, Sifted's going on Patreon. Don't do that yet. Like this is, this is for us right now, just to let you guys know about it. So um, here are some of the things that we have to change. Uh, there's, we're going to completely revamp registration um, it has to be revamped one because we're not using the old subscription model anymore so instead of having a separate page that you go to to register which can be a little confusing in all honesty you're just going to get a little pop-up when you register now you're basically just going to say this is my username this is my email this is my password go um, obviously our registration page has been there for a long time because you had to choose whether you wanted to be basic or you wanted to be premium uh, a lot of that stuff is going away now so uh, big change to our registration page is coming um, there's lots of messaging for premium all over the website. That's all got to be removed and changed. Um, we're going to remove gates from the entire website. So right now, most of the site is open for people who don't register. Uh, but the things that are locked away is like the time sort. If you want to sort, sort your SIF by time, that's locked away. Um, channel pages. So if you just want to go to like JRPGs or indie games or Japan or reviews, those pages are locked away right now. And our entire community right now is locked away behind registration. So all those gates are coming down. If you come to the website as a lurker, you'll essentially be able to go and view 
any page on the website. The only thing you won't be able to do, obviously, is leave a comment or post in the forums because you have to have an account to do that. We are not going to allow anonymous accounts. So if anyone wants to contribute to the site, they're gonna have to register. I just think that's the right way to go. Otherwise, you get these drive-by morons showing it up just trolling. So uh, we're moving all the gates from pretty much the entire site. And there's a lot of little stuff that has to really, that has to be done for that. Um, but I'm not gonna bore you with all that information. Uh, we have to remove tons of stuff from like the hamburger menu that doesn't make sense anymore. Some stuff we're gonna take down until we can rework it. Uh, Gifted is gonna come down for a while until we can re rework it for Patreon. Um, referrals are gonna come down for now until we can uh, figure out a way to make it work for Patreon. And in fact, referrals may just go away altogether. Um, we're gonna look at our data and we're gonna see if any of you guys are really close to referrals. And if you are, we may leave it up. Because, uh, you know, you had to generate X amount of dollars before you would get a free year of subscription. Uh, but chances are referrals are just going to be going away altogether. Um, what else? Uh, we have to update, like, all our outgoing emails. Our communications has to be changed. Um, we have to update a lot of copy on, like, our About page. Our Terms of Service is going to get updated. You'll get a pop-up for that. You'll have to accept that our, we've uh, issued new Terms of Service. We'll update our FAQ. Um, the footer is going to be changed so that the footer is always at least visible. We're still working on how that's going to work out ultimately. Um, but there will probably be kind of like there's a little tab for the copyright. There'll probably be another tab that'll say footer. So people that know, will know it's there now instead of it kind of being this little hidden thing. Just lots of little tweaks that you don't realize you need to make when you started your website on the basis of it being a subscription site and then it moving over to a new revenue model. So. The most important thing is that your accounts, <clears throat> they're not going away. So you're not going to lose any of your leveling. <clears throat> you're not going to lose your colors or any of that. You're going to keep all that stuff. Accounts are going to be linked from Patreon into Sifted. So if people sign up on Patreon, they're automatically going to be linked into Sifted. So we're going to do a full site integration in between the two. Um, We've discovered over the last couple of days that Patreon has a great API that's going to allow us to do that relatively painlessly. Um, we're looking at creating new colors and new designations for Patreon subscriber levels. Uh, we're looking at, for anyone who's been a subscriber uh, to the website from the beginning, or even maybe just registered from the beginning, anyone who supported the site before I moved to Patreon, you will have a special designation on the website. Um, we haven't... 100% lock that down, but it's probably going to be something along the lines of you're a sifted OG or something like that. So in perpetuity, you will be known as sort of one of the early founders. Um, obviously, you'll have achievements anyway that a lot of people uh, will never get uh, when they start using the site after you guys. But you will have a designation everywhere you go on the website showing that you were one of the early adopters and you were one of the people who believed in it from the beginning. So we want to make sure that the people who supported us right out of the gate are recognized and will be recognized forever on the website. So uh, we're working on our tiers and everything right now. There's a thread right now uh, in the forums where people are suggesting things for our Patreon. I'm glad you guys have been doing that because that's something that we're going to be working on extensively over the next few days. Brent is working on all this stuff right now, by the way. Uh, right now, the proposed launch is like mid-August. Um, I didn't bore you with all the details, but this is like, there's a lot of stuff that has to be changed on the site to make it work with Patreon and make it work in this more open and free model. Uh, but a lot of the details as far as like, okay, well, 
when does Game Face go out to Patreon supporters? When does it go out to everybody else? That's, that stuff is still all up in the air. So um, I think that's it. I think that's all I can share with you guys right now. But obviously, major changes, major overhaul. Uh, Brent's on it right now, and he's thinking it's going to take about two weeks to get it all finished. <clears throat> and again, don't go out and trumpet this from the highest tree because it's going to be a couple weeks until it's actually ready to launch. And when that happens... Although if you do want to climb a tree and yell, yell it through a trumpet, yeah. <laughs> record <laughs> please that. Do. Yeah, please send it to us, and we'll, we'll, we'll put it in the sit the community section of the website. But, uh, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and you guys probably don't even realize it. There's a lot of hidden code and stuff on the site and all these little areas that reference premium, like on our game pages, where if you look at like the scores, and it has like my score and then sifted score, like those modules need to be changed because it, it, if, you're, if you're not a member, it... It basically asks you to subscribe to see that stuff. So there's just all these little things. Uh, and we're probably going to miss some stuff as well. Uh, and I'm sure once it launches, we're going to get a lot of feedback from you guys saying, hey, uh, this needs to be changed or that needs to be changed. Um, and that'll be good. That'll be a good exercise for us. But I think we've done a pretty good job of at least finding the major stuff that needs to be fixed or tweaked or completely removed or uh, completely updated for the switch to Patreon. So it's coming, people. Um, when we're ready, when we when we start it, when we start to figure out when it's going to launch, hopefully we'll have like a three or four days heads up, and that's when we'll really start organizing the tribes to get people to get ready for that day. Because what we want to do is we want to have that big day, that big push, uh, to get everybody to go to it, make it an event. We'll probably be doing like an all-day live stream of some sort, uh, maybe like we just hang out all day playing games or whatever. We have to figure all that the creative part of that out. Um, but the big thing is that we are moving to Patreon. Um, let's see what else. Uh, we are also going to keep the old payment system live throughout this whole process. I don't know when we will eventually sunset it. It'll be on down the road, but it'll be once we realize at least 80 to 90% of the people who are using that have already migrated over to Patreon and are, and are uh, contributing to us that way. Um, but every, all signs of our old payment system will be gone. There will be no trace of our own credit card processing. Um, so people who want to stay on it, they'll be grandfathered in. They can stay there and keep contributing $4 a month through that system if they want. If they want to contribute more, or if you just want to contribute less. There are some people who may be like, well, I can't afford $4 a month and I'd rather just give a dollar. And we totally understand that. So <laughs> if you want to leave, that's fine. We will go step-by-step step to show people how to basically leave that old system and go to the new one, even though it's really easy and really simple and self-explanatory. We want to make it as blatantly obvious as possible. We don't want any confusion over the transition from one to the other. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it for now. Big changes. We knew we had to make them. Um, the feedback that we've got over the last week or so has been incredible. Uh, the first Pactor Factor went up yesterday on YouTube that talked about our financial issues. Obviously, you guys have already been had already watched it like a week ago or whatever. Um, but the first one went up on YouTube, and we actually got like a ton of subscribers today from that. Um, and it, it is a little awkward because we're in this weird place where we've already recorded five episodes of Pactor Factor, where he talks about, hey, we're in trouble, we need subscribers, blah, blah, blah. Now we've made this decision midstream, and so there's still on YouTube yet four more episodes of Pactor, you know, explaining what's going on. Uh, so we may have to like blow down to uh, Long Beach and maybe shoot some new intros and outros of him saying, hey, we're actually moving to Patreon. Mm -hmm. um, That's probably a good idea. Yeah, so we'll probably clarify that. 
but you know, the P, if you're new to the site, and there are a bunch of you, and hopefully when you see them on the site this week, you guys will uh, welcome them with open arms. And if you're watching this right now, welcome to Sifted. Thank you very much uh, for subscribing. Um, you're going to be able to stay on that plan if you want to, or you know, it'll be simple for you to move over to Patreon and contribute to it that way. Um, certainly, Pactor Factor will be something that you're able to support on Patreon, maybe at a cheaper rate than you are right now if you just want to support Pactor. So, it's a brave new world for us. It's scary and exciting at the same time, but I feel hopeful. Uh, I, I do. It's like I don't... If we had stayed on this plan, I can already see that we were going to close the website. So, mm -hmm. even with the first Pactor going up and us getting a bunch of new subscribers, it's a nice bump of subscribers. Um, but... A month from now, we wouldn't have had enough. It, the site would have ended up closing. So this is the right move. Our marketing plan did launch. Uh, we did get a nice bump of traffic. And I think we got a handful of subscribers the first day that launched. But we have seen a huge bump of people visiting the website, which is good. Um, and that's a big part of it as well, just generating traffic and get people using the site so that they share it out there. Uh, it's hard to measure those metrics, obviously, of, of as far as the sharing and how those people or evangelizing the site to new people, but we can see the bump in traffic that we got. In fact, I saw Sifted run slow for the first time huh. ever the day that that marketing program launched. So all good stuff, all good stuff. Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, I feel like uh, there's like that ray of sunlight poking through the clouds right now. Um, and I'm gonna like hang out underneath it and try to get a little bit of a suntan because I really need one. So it's a laser. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That'd be funny, but uh, you know, after talking to you guys about it and talking to a lot of people about it, really Patreon was the only way to go. It was the only way the site was going to survive. And uh, now that I've kind of given into the idea, I'm really excited about it, and I actually think it could be a huge boon to Sifted. I think it could really uh, sustain us for a long time. Like I'm really excited about it. So, I think um, Patreon, Patreon's ma also major advantage is like I always have seen. People are like, well, I don't want to give my credit card to this weird sifted guy. Yeah, no, you're and right. It's like that's that's a prevalent thing these There's days. There's a trust issue for sure, and that was some of the feedback. I mean, we I'd saw. give you my credit card, but I know you. Right. So. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And it's like people look at it and they're like, "What's this website? Like anybody could be running this. The Russian yeah. mafia could be running this." Yeah, I get it. So don't, don't give us away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. There's a trust thing there and everything, and I get that. And uh, you know, I just. I fought it for a long time because I just didn't want to give up that cut of money, but ultimately I think it's just for the better good. Uh, and it really, we're left with no, no choice at this point. So I think being forced into doing something like this ultimately will pay dividends and I think it will work. And I think ultimately we're not going to regret keeping the studio. And I think ultimately you're going to say, yeah, I was right for not getting rid of the studio. Uh, when we have some more money and we start doing some really fun stuff in this space instead of just Game Face and the <clears throat> random stream here and there. So... I'm really excited for the future, guys. I hope you are, too. Uh, like I said, don't go out and like trumpet this out there. This is something we want to kind of keep just within the family for right now. Uh, but when the time comes, I'll let you know, and we'll all go out there and we'll message it, and there'll be a big push for it whenever it goes live. So I think that's it. Uh, you guys are going to have questions, but it's time for our trailer of the week, and it is the first time ever that we have not chosen a video game trailer for our trailer of the week. And Matt's going to have some things to say after we watch this yeah, trailer. You chose it. <laughs> I did choose it. Uh, and it is the debut tra trailer for Ready Player One. And if you need any explanation for why I chose this, you don't know about the book. And I think after you watch it, you will have no questions why I chose it. Um, obviously, you guys are going to have questions about the switch to Patreon or anything else game-related. Uh, get those into the chat right now. And here's a clue, something we're doing going forward. When you want to ask questions, make sure you go at Sifted Games because we get that nice highlight 
uh, that helps us see your questions. So make sure you do that. Here's the debut trailer for Ready Player One. In 2045, there's nowhere left to go. Nowhere except the Oasis. I was born in 2025, but I wish I'd grown up in the 1980s, like all my heroes. I live here in Columbus, Ohio. In 2045, it's still ranked the fastest growing city on Earth, but it sure doesn't seem like it when you live in the stacks. They called our generation the missing millions. Missing not because we went anywhere, there's nowhere left to go. Nowhere except the Oasis. It's the only place that feels like I mean anything. A world where the limits of reality are your own imagination. All right, so I like that trailer. Mm. I did not like the book. The book is one of the worst things I've ever read in my life. <laughs> I made it to like page 150. I've been reading for a long time, and my degree is in English literature. It's one of the <laughs> worst things I have ever read. It's like, it was like written by a 12-year-old. It's poorly written, yeah. I mean, it's basically like fanboy fanfic. Like, that's like insulting fanboy fanfic. It's just <laughs> so artless like yeah. you know it's like, it's like and he ambled in by the way that word is the root of the word that steven spielberg master cinematographer and director yeah. named his guy it's like it's just it just goes on and on yeah, and on. Yeah. i'm like really like this is yeah. an actual thing someone sent to a publisher and the publisher's like okay sure it, was like, I, it did sell very well of course it sold very well it's like it's like member berry the book <laughs> Yeah, I did not like the book. I mean, I thought it was poorly written, and I think I made it to page 100 and something, and I I mean, quit. the only thing I can say is, like, well, in the hands of Spielberg, maybe, you know, at least, as long as I don't have to read his prose, maybe the, the, the weird, you know, all the mashing up of all the 80s references will actually be better on screen, because you're yeah. putting some money and some care behind it. Right. But you're still stuck with the fact that the, the lead character is an asshole, and every single relationship he has with a female character is pathetic, and it's like... 
I mean, I don't know. Maybe it might survive the transition to a film better in the same way that I thought it was more impressive in uh, Scott Pilgrim, the movie, that there were references to like Zelda and stuff in that. Because like seeing a Zelda reference in a $30 million film is different than seeing it in some guy's comic book, you know? Someone in chat called it Loot Crate the Film. Loot Crate the Film is a good, uh, <laughs> is a pretty good way of summing that I up. I wish I could find it so I could give credit to it. That I was uh, Dazzle 369, uh. I think. <laughs> Great job. Um, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good one. Yeah. Loot Crate the Film. <laughs> it is kind of, it does <laughs> have that. sums it up in a nutshell. Uh, I think the trailer's good, though. Well. Like, it definitely got me hype. I wouldn't go that far. I also, it also especially because me... you associate that Willy Wonka song with that piece of shit. Like, no. <laughs> no you didn't earn that. It's nice to see the Iron Giant in something again. Yeah, though. yeah. But it also did make me think that the movie's probably not going to be very good. Because you just <clears> think <throat> about how do you mash up all that into one coherent whole. Well, you don't. But that's supposedly part of the appeal. Um, the other thing about it is, like, basically there's never going to be a Snow Crash movie now. Yeah. Because that, that, the book is basically, like, someone plugging 80s trivia Mad Libs into a summary of Snow Crash by someone who has never read Snow Crash. Right. Um, and, like, if you made a Snow Crash movie after that, people would be like, well, this is Ready Player One stuff with no 80s stuff in it. You yeah. Know? It's like, well, <laughs> so that's the end of that. But, yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I I feel like making a movie out of it would probably make it somehow better because at least you see everything there and it's not just like, and then Mechagodzilla hit Voltron kind of thing. Right. It's like, if you actually get Mechagodzilla and Voltron to fight in a movie, like, yeah, I'll see that. But I mean, like, I'm going to watch it no matter what, but I just don't have high hopes that it's going to be great. They'll probably be better than the Transformers movies. Yeah? I mean, you can't get it any worse. <laughs> They are so bad. As long as we're skimming rock bottom. Yeah, they're point. so bad. All right, let's get to some questions here. Uh, here's one from OTAPS. What will be the best way to financially support Sifted? Uh, stay as a premium member or move to Patreon on launch? Well, it depends on how much you plan on contributing at Patreon. If you're going to just donate the same $4 a month, it's probably better for us if you stay on our normal uh, system. Um, if you're going to contribute more than that, obviously it's better. If you're going to contribute less, which you can't do on Sifted anyway, obviously Patreon is, is your way to go. So I think the vast majority of people, Patreon is going to work much better. But if you just plan on contributing the same $4 per month going forward, you don't have to do anything. You should just stay on the old program. And just so you guys know, um, premium is still going to work just like it is now. We're going to still have control over when um, everybody else can see everything. It's not just going to be a big free-for-all. Um, that's the beauty of the API that they have with Patreon, is that it can tie into our premium system so we can still gate stuff from people depending on whether they paid or not or how much they paid. So um, don't sweat it thinking that it's just gonna, the gates are going to open and everyone's going to be able to take everything that you're paying for. So, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to go. If you're going to contribute the same, just stay where you are right now. If you want to contribute more or less, go over to Patreon. Vox91 asks, when do you think video games nostalgia boom goes Where goes next? Or where do you think the video game nostalgia boom goes next? When do you think it ends? When Matt and I die. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it ever ends. It doesn't. And no. uh, I think the way... I, you're actually seeing where it's going next with the success of the Crash uh, remake collection. Yeah. Because that's really the first dip in the toe in the PlayStation 1 era of this. Because the, the people who were in 12 or whatever around that time are now in prime nostalgia mode and uh, I mean same reason they're finally making that Final Fantasy 7 remake yeah. eventually hopefully they don't miss the window uh, by the time that comes out 
But I think you're going to start seeing stuff that you know references and rehashes and remakes uh, 32-bit era stuff uh, and Nintendo 64 era stuff. Because hmm. um, the timing is just right for that. Mid, mid to late 90s is your next, your next wave. Well, imagine a remastered Banjo-Kazooie. A remake yeah. of Banjo-Kazooie. The original Banjo. That would be pretty successful, I think. Most likely. I think it would be really successful. I mean... Couldn't hurt. Certainly not. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think we'll start seeing stuff like that. N64, PlayStation 1 era will continue mm. because that's where you see the biggest leap. That's where people go back and look at those old games. They're like, ew. Yeah. And then but you show, sort of a, a, show them the, the remade version. And they're like, oh, my God. Yeah. This is what my I, imagination I, said was there all that yeah, time. Yeah, I definitely think the way Crash, they did it with the Crash games is the way to do it. Like, yeah. don't, don't just try to up-res the thing. Yeah, yeah. Remake it and do it right this time, For basically. Because sure. yeah. um, there's some ideas in there. I mean, look, Sony could do worse than to do a new PSVR remake of Jumping Flash. Yeah. Just a really trigger the, uh, the the nausea yep. in people. Yep. Um, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of properties there that have been laid untouched for, for almost 20 years, and I think uh, bringing them back uh, in a modern form uh, is kind of your next step. Yep. It's also something the major publishers can do that the indies can't, because they, they have those properties, they own those properties, and they can do a big budget remake like that Crash Collection that is not something you get out of, like, kind of the indie tradition of making sort of the pixel art 16-bit kind of thing, like, that's a much easier thing to do on a lower budget, but taking, like, a PlayStation 1-era game and remaking it with modern graphics is a little beyond that scope. Yeah. So that's something that the, the big players can kind of have to themselves, and I think that might be seen as an advantage to them. Uh, yeah, I mean, as long as they keep the quality up, as long as these <clears> remakes <throat> are yes. up to the quality of Crash, it, I think it can go on into perpetuity until they run out of games to remake. Yeah. <laughs> Which would take a while when you think about the PS2 era, for sure. Let's go Blasto. Yeah. Uh, here's one for you, Matt, from Chino Mike one um, Any thoughts on doing a film theme show? Perhaps quick thoughts after watching a current film. Also, what are your most anticipated movies of this year? Um, I mean, possibly. That would probably be uh, something happening in a situation where we have uh, more income. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there might come a time in the nearish future where I can set up enough of a recording situation where I could do that on my own and help promote it through Sifted or something. Yeah. Or, like, you know, friends and I have talked about doing, like, a, just a general movie podcast forever. You were kind of on one for a while. A little bit. Uh, I was doing some stuff with Film Threat. I still write some stuff from, for Film Threat now and then. It's just not... I'm just... I got enough to do without having to see every movie that comes out and talk right. about it for an hour. Um, but maybe. I mean, movies I'm looking for. I just saw Valerian, which was not... Uh, it was fine. It was... It was. I don't know who the hell thought that was going to make any money. I mean, the fact that they spent $210 million on that movie is insane. Yeah. Um, also, whoever cast Dane DeHaan as anything is insane. I mean, he's the, he's the bumbling, charismatic, handsome rogue character that was in part partly the template for Han Solo, and you cast him? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. Also, he kind of looks like he's related to Cara Delevingne. To the the two leads look like they're kind of brother and sister a little bit, and that's weird. Yeah. Because uh, they keep forcing a romance in there, and it just doesn't work. But I thought visually it was amazing. Uh, but then it made $17 million against $210 million budget, and that does not surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, it, you cannot spend more than $40 million on that movie, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, for the rest of the year, um, I haven't seen War for Planet of the Apes yet, so I'm looking forward to getting to that. I still haven't seen Logan. i got to get around Logan. He actually, that was one of his, his um, like, later questions that it's he just, saw. It. I just haven't caught up on the early part of the year yet. Um, I'm looking forward to Thor Ragnarok, looking forward to Last Jedi. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to whatever the Oscar bait movies are in November and December that we don't know about yet. Um, yeah, I think those are those are my big ones. Um, it's about all that's left, really. Yeah. I feel like there's something in October I'm interested in, but I can't remember what it was. I haven't seen Dunkirk yet because I value my hearing. Um, <laughs> is it that movie's loud? loud? I mean, Chris Nolan is in a, a loudness war with himself, as far as I can <laughs> tell. I've seen hundreds, probably thousands of movies in the theater in my lifetime. The only time I've ever put my hands over my ears is in the final shot of Interstellar. Like, I thought he was going to blow my eardrums yeah, out. Yeah. And apparently the, the Dunkirk is basically like an hour and 45 of just that. Of just wow. Loud. I mean, the, the, the trailers, the preview stuff, like all the stuff in the in the, the plane, like the dogfighting in the yeah. planes. I mean, look, I'm a giant World War II nut. It's I like love you're the in planes, the plane. So, but it's like, jeez. And like, yeah. there's people like, you should sacrifice your hearing for the sake of the art. And that's really how loud <laughs> war is. I mean, like, it's more immersive. I'm like, you know, it's not. What, no, it's the opposite immersive. Because as soon as I'm sitting aware I'm in a theater on the threshold of hearing pain, I not, I'm out of the movie. Yeah, like you're, you're right. You're, it takes you're, you out. You're breaking, breaking my immersion. You're, you're, you're right. doing the opposite of that. So I will probably eventually brave Dunkirk with earplugs or something. But, like, man, like, those trailers were, like, too much. Yeah. Too much. But it looks amazing. It looks so good. Um, oh, and um, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Disney's got that Day of the Dead movie coming out. Really? It's like a, it's like an like animated movie. I can't oh. remember. What is it? Is it an animated zombie movie? No, it's like it's like just uses like imagery from Day of the Dead, uh, like yeah, kind of like Grim Fandango does. You know, I can't remember what it's called, but I want to see that. Okay. Yeah, that's it. All right. We would we could potentially do that one day, but that's an expansion of Sifted that is down the line. But we'll see about see about doing something on my own one day. Yep, and we will certainly support it here. Uh, the one Geo, what was your favorite show from GT that you wish you could bring to Sifted? Retrospectives, without a doubt. I think that was the classiest piece of content we created there. Um, it's the one thing that's still not being done anywhere else from a video perspective anyway. It's just so freaking expensive and time-consuming. It's a total pipe dream for us to ever do those. Uh, but as far as when I look back across Sifted's catalog, or, uh, GT's catalog, uh, stuff that we did back then that I was really proud of and I thought was really good and added a lot of value and was different. Uh, the video retrospectives, without a doubt, I think are... And I think it's also something that would probably do pretty well um, as far as view counts and things like that. Uh, but a lot of the stuff that we did at GT has been copied by everybody else so much now that it's almost just like yesterday's news. So, And I don't want to just keep creating the same content over and over. I mean, again, one of the big reasons we kept the studio is because I don't want it every show on Sifted to just be... Now it's these five guys talking about the same topics. Now here's these other three guys talking about the same five topics. Uh, I feel like we cover pretty much everything we need to on Game Face, and I don't want to just keep doing more talking head stuff, uh, more stuff with, like, takes. So, um, yeah, bringing back a lot of stuff from GT at this point has been mercilessly copied by so many other websites. It, we'd just be now copying IGN, I think, if we did a lot of that stuff. So not looking at doing a lot of that stuff in that way. Um, from the real Mr. Sweet, Shane, how did your wife take the news? My wife was really encouraged by the news. Um, she's watched me more than anyone, you know, I've gone through over the last few years and, uh, she, uh, it was good to see her smile when I was talking about Sifted for like the first time in a <laughs> long time. Usually when I talk about the site, it's just, she's just like straight faced uh, but she's like, I think that's going to work. And I was like, I think it is too. So uh, it was really encouraging. She was really positive about it. Um, 
I think if I had to tell her, hey, we're going to start shooting Game Face at our place, it might have been a little different. <laughs> uh, but since we still have the studio, I got to avoid that whole awkward confrontation. But uh, overall, she was really optimistic and really positive about it. So it was good. It was a good reaction. And today is her birthday, by the way. So taking her out to dinner tonight. Um, Joaquin Dragoon, what is the best RPG you ever played? Ponja Dragoon Saga. Wow. That was that's probably my number two get favorite game of all time. Really, mm. someone else in someone else in there somewhere in there uh, mentioned uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga rem remake as a nostalgia. Thing. I'm like, I would I'd pay a hundred bucks for that sight unseen. It's yeah, like, but it's oh, never that would gonna, be huge. It's never gonna happen. It would be huge though. It would be huge. People would be a big deal. I mean, you still see copies, of, good copies of that game for the Saturn go for. Three four hundred dollars. I know so. it still hasn't really come down after all this time because they only made ten thousand. Well, I'm yeah. this probably got destroyed because no one cared about Saturn games for a long. It's time. like Bitcoin. It's oh, like there's the way, a finite number of it. Oh, by the way, um, I because I I've been collecting those old game magazines and looking through like the old game ads. I found an ad. I'd totally forgotten about this ad. It was an ad for Panzer Dragoon Saga, on like a the back of a, like an old uh, Game Pro or something, and it was it basically it's a big mask of the main character and it's like. For those who can't find a copy of the game, here is what you do. Cut this out, cut the eyes out, and look in the mirror and pretend you're playing it. Go fuck yourself, yeah. basically. <laughs> and I'm like, man, game advertisement was weird in the 90s. Yeah. It was like, oh, it was. Like, totally. The whole ad is mocking people that did not manage to find a copy of your short-printed damn, damn game. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not a way to... They spent money to yeah. do that. <laughs> It's crazy. I just thought that was amazing. I was just like, wow, that's, yeah. that's weird. It's, it's, it's like the Earthbound magazine ad where it was like the whole thing was like, this game stinks. Because remember, it originally came with like a scratch and sniff yeah, sheet. Yeah. And like the whole thing was how much it stinks and you're going to have to like air out your house when you play it because it smells. I'm like, no wonder nobody bought the damn thing. Like, yeah. You're advertising it like it's going to smell bad. Nobody <laughs> wants that. Uh, Final Fantasy VI for me. Pretty popular yeah. opinion there. I would so yeah, it's definitely the best, For a reason. The best yeah. uh, Final Fantasy game, no question. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dusto Man 9, will you advertise with Easy Allies? If we do, that would come after the Patreon launches. Um, so if Patreon goes well, which we'll know in just a couple weeks whether it does or not, and we have some disposable income from the Patreon, we will definitely look into doing some advertising on some podcasts. Uh, what else? Skies of Arcadia is a good. That's a good pick. I'd love to see somebody remake that. I played Skies of Arcadia for a, like two weeks straight. I spent sixty some hours on that game. When I finished, I had no idea why I'd spent all that time on it. Sky Pirates. Yeah. Were you reviewing it or just for fun? I played it for fun. Hmm. Yeah. I think the GameCube version is pretty good. The that's Dream, what I played. Yeah, I played Dreamcast the GameCube version's version. encounter rate is like three times that. Yeah. And uh, it's not. You can't get anywhere. You I didn't play the Dreamcast original. I, I played, played the, the Dream. GameCube. I played both, and the GameCube one's much better. Uh, in part, I remember when I played the Dreamcast one. Sometimes I'd forget where I was going because there were so many battles. Yeah, like, like I, I would go through so many. Like every two steps. Like, wait, where was I going? And I'm like, wait, what was I doing? <laughs> I go, yeah. That happens in a lot of games. That happened to me in Persona Five sometimes, actually. <laughs> Uh, J. Reed Vic 7, is it possible to pay five or six bucks a month through each of the old system and through Patreon with one account, or I need to make a second account? Uh, you'll need to... Oh, that's a good question. I think you may be able to do both with the same account, because your accounts will be linked from mm -hmm. Patreon over to the site, 
and the old payment system isn't going away, and you should still be able to contribute on Patreon. So you should be able to do both. If I'm wrong, I'll let you know. But I think, it, I think from my understanding, you should be able to do both. Um, Drunken Elvis, did Marcus get back to you in pack regarding doing a Pactor Cruise edition? No. He, uh, I, I mentioned that Mark Ed, during the uh, the summit that Marcus is not in the best of health still, and we're just he's kind of got to take care of himself before he can do anything like that. So he did not. Although one of the comments we got on YouTube was, <laughs> "People are so dumb." <laughs> one guy wrote, he was like, "So wait a minute, you're telling me you don't have any money for sifted, but you're gonna go on a yacht and shoot a show?" Like. <laughs> I think you missed a few words yeah, yeah. in there. <laughs> Hello? Is anyone home? Yeah. YouTube's always great for that. I always get at least a couple of laughs every time we put up a new episode of Pactor Factor. That's what happens when your main audience is doing something else while they watch you. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? No, you're right. You're <laughs> absolutely right. That's probably what it was. What did I just hear? Uh, Justin Horman, what do you think is the biggest roadblocks for esports on television? Do you think it's ignorant old farts, like us, <laughs> or just a lack of interest from the TV audience? Yes. B. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a little bit of one, but mostly B. So also, I, just, I think you hit, you do, I mean, the old fart thing does have an, an element to it because there is a point, there's an age limit to the people who care how good someone else is at a video game. Yeah. You know? no, you're right. Like, it's just, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a generational gap there where young, the younger you get, the more interested you're going to be, whereas you get older and you're like, well, who cares? Yeah. Who's good at that? I mean, All I, good. You're good at that, okay. Yeah. There's an element of, like, you just don't recognize the usefulness or the interest of the skill, whereas, like, seeing, you know, you watch the Olympics and you're like, I cannot do that. Yeah, you know? and yeah. Like, it's... The only difference now is that when the old farts ask you, oh, that's great, how are you going to make a living doing that? Now that yeah, you can actually, actually say, actually, I can't, there's an answer for that now, but, yeah. As long as you have a backup plan after your reflexes slow down when you're 23. Yeah. I think we have, <laughs> I think in general we have a problem with, and I hate to say it, because you know, I have family members, obviously, who fall into this group, but we have a, a problem, at least in America, with this, the elderly. Like, there's... <laughs> and there's... We, we call it Congress. Yeah, there's this certain age... No, but seriously, there's like this... There's still a group of people alive who don't get it. Oh, yeah. Like, they are... They missed the cutoff. Like, when the internet launched, they were too old to care or get it. Mm -hmm. And those people are just like in some other galaxy from the rest of us. They're great people, nice people. They're my relatives. But if you try to talk to them about anything that's happening now, it's just like, mm -hmm. whoa, like way over their heads. And uh, I think once that generation is gone, things like esports will become much bigger on television and just have yeah. a, a bigger sort of share of our social consciousness in general. So, um yeah, I think a lot of it is being old farts, but I think a lot of people just don't really give a crap either, to be yeah. honest. Good question, though. Um, what are you laughing at, Sam? Someone goes, honey, we have to talk. We have an elderly. <laughs> <laughs> honey, we got old people. Yeah. In the crawl space. Uh, Killzone 310, one game you'd recommend everyone plays. Tetris? Yeah, I mean, that. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to recommend a game to everybody. Like, like something that anyone would like? Tetris. Yeah, puzzle games generally. I mean, who doesn't like Pac-Man? Yeah. 
The classics, really. Yeah, I guess old, old arcade stuff. Um, Super Mario Brothers, probably. The first yeah. one. Anything that's really simple and just uses like one or two buttons. If you're talking about modern stuff, I don't know. Um, I'd probably go to like retro stuff like, you know, uh, Super Stardust HD or like things, or even that, but even that, like Geometry Wars, and like people's like, oh, it's so complicated, it's so flashy. You know? Yeah. I mean, I would say Super Mario 64. Yeah. It's like the first kind of the, it's like the gateway drug into 3D gaming. Um, I think you, it's still ar- pretty simple. An argument can be made for Breath of the Wild if you don't care about progressing. Yeah. Man, I, you can just fiddle around. Yeah. And, well, I have, to, I have a couple of friends who have four year old kids who play that game, and they don't like, you know, solve the shrines or anything, but they run like uh, I got a friend whose four-year-old daughter plays it all the time. She knows she knows uh, to go in the menus and switches clothing when it gets cold or hot and all that. I mean, she loves it. Like, and she can fight and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and she feels like she's doing something. And so, like maybe yeah, Breath of the Wild is is uh, up there as someone I would probably put in just about anybody's hands. Uh, as and they can as have fun with they it. They can have fun just running around and doing stuff. Yeah. Sort of like Mario 64. I mean, that's what. When I let people play Mario 64 when that first came out, nobody beat King Babam up at the top of the mountain. They just ran around and jumped on stuff. No, you're right. And that's that's the fun part to that. Yep. Uh, Erebus Jones, Sony increased PSN subscription price by 25% today. That's Europe and Australia only, by the way, for those who are listening or watching. Uh, are they in danger of copying Microsoft's hubris at the start of this gen by taking their customers for granted? What warrants the price increase? Got to get a sound sample of... Uh one of the elves from Battle of Middle Earth 2, where early on when they att- the, the, the forces of Sauron attack the, the elf village and they're not prepared for it. And at one point, one of the elf NPCs goes, goes, they knew exactly where to hit us and we had no idea. We thought it could never happen. Oh, the hubris. Yeah. And I'm like, I need the oh, the hubris <laughs> as just like a button for something, for things when, when stuff like the Sony thing happens. Well, I think we're seeing more than just with this price increase. We're seeing the the... The lack of cross-play. Cross cross yeah. I mean, it's kind of turning anti-consumer here now that it's got everybody hooked in. A little bit. Um, these aren't drastic things that are kind of game changers, though. But they're little, they're little, uh, they're little anti-consumer microaggressions, yeah. let's call them. Like they add up to a thing where you're like, hey. Wait yeah, a minute. So important. Yeah, what yeah. are you doing? Why are you changing? Because, yeah, at the beginning of the generation... Sony's smart. Like, it's really smart. It knew it needed to look like it was pro-consumer. Yeah, it, it slowly turns the heat up until the frog is boiling and Exactly. Know. And we were talking and, about this. We've talked about this on the show many times about how, you know, people are like, oh, go Sony. You're pro-consumer. No, no, no. Sony was just smart enough to con people into mm. thinking it was pro-consumer. There's no difference between Microsoft and Sony. Both their goals are to make as much money as humanly possible off of video games. Um, one of them had a bit of a stumble at the beginning, mm-hmm. and the other one took advantage of it. And you and can that's tell which one's difference. losing because the one that's losing is the one that's nice right now. You're right. Yep, that's exactly right. <laughs> Phil Spencer every day. Hey, great job, Nintendo. Great job, Sony. Mm-hmm. You don't see that Sony's like, screw you. You'll play Rocket League on our console, or you won't play it at all. So um, just keep this in mind. Like, don't forget this stuff. Like, this is the kind of stuff that will show you that like these companies don't care about you. All they care about is what's in your wallet. As for why. It went up 25%. I'm sure if you ask Sony, it'd be like, whoa, we want to increase, improve the features or whatever, decrease latency or whatever. They'll make up some excuse. Fact of the matter is their costs probably haven't changed at all. Um, it just wants to make more yeah. money. Or, it could, I mean, there's, there's a lot of economic balancing happening because of the Brexit stuff right, right. now. So that could be that part That could be of part it. of it. That's a good point. But that's a real progressive move. That is, yeah. <laughs> before that's a... that's, before the, the dust on that really hasn't settled yet. So it's a... Uh, that's no small increase either. No. That's, that's, a, that's a... I would definitely... As yeah, someone who does pay for PSN, that kind of a bump uh, would definitely give me pause. 
at the very, I, I would definitely like think about it hard, keeping that. That's that's getting up into some serious money, I would say. Yep. Uh, Considering lo- what you get. Yeah. Looney on the loose. Looney is on the loose. How would you feel about Shenmue 3 if the gameplay was was janky? <laughs> and graphics dated, but the story was fantastic. I know that nostalgia and love of those characters would carry me through. Mm, that would have to be one hell of a story. After, because, like, look, they made enough money to make that not janky and not ugly. They have, but at the same time, I get the, the point of this question. And that's yeah. that massive cliffhanger... There's this unresolved story that we've been waiting for the resolution to for a long time. Would that be enough to get me through the game? It probably would. Yeah. If it were janky and the as, gameplay sucked. As long as it doesn't end in another cliffhanger. Right. <laughs> like, you gotta finish this story. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think Yu Suzuki will. I mean, mm-hmm. he doesn't want... To, I mean, he's getting let's up be honest, there. I think it is going to be janky and kind of Yeah, ugly. I think... He, like, <laughs> I, I think that's what we're getting. That's, I think that's what we've been kind of getting at in the topic of this show, is that... It's probably not going to end up being like triple A crazy polished. Yeah. But you're gonna, I'm gonna have to get carried through on my, you know, how much I like Rio. You have to and, take what uh, you can get, and how much, and and the and the fact that he's always willing to let's get sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope they get that same guy back. To, yeah, yeah. To dub it because like <laughs> it's not going to be the same if they don't have that ter- the terrible dub from the Japanese no, like, right. expatriate. English actors that don't quite know what they're saying. The game it guy may not even uh, be around anymore. I mean, that oh, was a long time out. ago. They're all out there. That's that's the same dub company that did the English dub of uh, Iron Chef. The company might be out there. The people though. Oh, they they can find them. I mean, unless they're dead. I don't know. That's what I'm. That was the I, point I, 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 was I feel at. like he's probably still around. But what if his voice has changed because he's older now and like now Rio just sounds like hot. And he was like a like, smoker or whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, Surf Spider, what should I buy? A gaming PC or Xbox One X? How much do you want to spend? I think that's what it comes down to. How much money do you have? I think Pactor, Pactor, I think missed part of the question in in this week's episode where like someone asked like, why would someone buy an Xbox One X if they have a gaming PC? He didn't seem to quite early on in the question understand that he's like console games usually aren't on PCs anyway. And I'm like, mm, yeah, that's not. A, but eventually, there's only so much damage control we can do with Pactor when we but, shoot. Like, but eventually he came. He ar- cut so much out of that show every week. But eventually he came around to you know like, if you've got the money for a PC, you have that PC, and if you have the money to spend three thousand dollars on a PC, you have the money to spend another five hundred dollars on Xbox One X just to have it. Yeah, um, which is probably not wrong. But, uh, like, I just think the redu- it, co- it purely comes down to can you spend 500 bucks or can you spend 2000 Yeah. And if you can spend the 2000 I'd just get the PC instead of that because it's going to Yeah, if you're rich, get the better. PC. Yeah. If you're not rich, and that's most people, I would honestly recommend getting Xbox One X. Although, at the same time, for the price of an Xbox One, Pactor made the good point of price of an Xbox One X, you can get an Xbox One and a PS4. Yeah, and, and games. games. Yeah. But you know, if you shop smart for the for the sales this fall, yeah. Um, if you yeah. have nothing, if, if you, you don't only, have anything, if yeah. you only have a Switch, then Pactor's absolutely right. You should get a PS4 and an Xbox One and a bunch of games. Yeah, for that money. Uh, let's see, I we'll answer a couple more. Uh, so then why does all the premium functionality have to be renamed? Oh, I guess the original Rio voice is confirmed. Oh, really? Ha, ha. Oh, actually, I did know that. I think you're talking about one of the bit characters, though. 
That is the he's the main character. No, Rio is. I thought you were talking about a voice line from one of the big characters in the game, though. Not I didn't realize Rio was the one that said that. And yeah, he, every about half the time you decide to practice your martial arts moves, he just says, "Let's get sweaty." <laughs> Which seems very out of character for that character, but yeah. whatever. That's who he is. Uh, so why does all the premium functionality have to be renamed? Because it's not premium anymore. It's We're a part of Patreon. We will be a part of Patreon. Um, and we don't want to have these hangovers of the old nomenclature to confuse people who are new to the site. So anytime it's like, go premium, it's now going to say, contribute to our Patreon. Um, and obviously, we were talking earlier about people are less nervous giving their credit card number to Patreon. So we don't want to say, hey, here's this weird thing. You don't know what it means. It's premium something or other. We want people to know that it's Patreon so that they trust it. And then as soon as they say, hey, I want to contribute to this, they don't think twice about actually spending the money to do it. So that's why we're getting rid of all kind of the remnants of our premium uh, program and all the nomenclature and verbiage that went along with it. Oh, man, there's a lot of questions in here. Wow. I was only, like, scratching the surface of the questions. Uh, McWomble, like I said, tiers and Patreon. No, we're, we're working on all that stuff right now. And again, in that thread in the forums, toss all your thoughts in there. Obviously, I listen to you guys. A lot of the things that we talked about at the summit are happening. So uh, get in there, supply your suggestions. A million minds are always better than one. Um, we'll take a look at it, and the stuff that we like, we'll pull from it. So... This is a whole new frontier, by the way, <laughs> like working with Patreon, like going over to the website and starting to set up our page and all that kind of stuff, just learning the language of Patreon and what kind of stuff works and what kind of stuff doesn't. Like I'm flabbergasted at some of the like tiers that people like are like, yeah, I'll give money for that. Like some of them are like, I'll draw you a picture and paint and send it to you. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know. <laughs> Like, that's a real thing. I'm well aware. You've never ventured into the wilds of Patreon before? <laughs> I mean, I have, but I've never dove deep into it as mm. someone who's getting ready to use it and trying to maximize it. And it's pretty mind-blowing. Like, uh, like, you know, I didn't just go to the game stuff. I've that been... should absolutely be a tier. Like, like if at a certain tier, you, like, you will draw a picture of their favorite game and mail it to them. In paint. In, in mammoth paint. Using only a mouse. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Uh, I think now that you brought that up, you have to do it. Yeah. Actually, maybe that will be what I make you do for the fantasy sports thing. We'll just sit here. People will say, we'll call it a game, and you have to draw it on MS Paint and email it to them. <laughs> I could do that. That would actually be fun. <laughs> Unlike playing Bloodborne. Um, let's see. We'll just answer one more and find a good one. I'm sorry, guys. There's so many questions in here. Wow. I was like five miles up. The chat is just going crazy. Uh, all right. Well, Gino, Mike, we already answered one of yours. We want to get somebody else. MS Paint is not going away, by the way. That was fake news. Microsoft came out and said Paint is not going away. That would suck. I use Paint for a lot. Not for drawing pictures, but for like site work and grabbing screenshots and stuff like that. Uh, but it's not going away. In fact, I think they just announced that they're actually putting out like a new, slightly improved version of Paint. Uh... Oh, here's one from McWomble. Uh, when are we likely to have the fantasy draft? And that means the real NFL fantasy draft. Probably last week of August, I'm guessing. 
Um, that's usually when fantasy drafts happen. It'll be during the week. Uh, we'll try to set up a time. Or maybe we do have to do it on the weekend so that we can do it at a time that people in Europe aren't up at 5 in the morning doing a fantasy football draft. Uh, but yeah, towards the end of the month, it looks like we have a full league already. In fact, we may have like a 12-man league this year instead of just 10, which is good. So uh, yeah, you'll be getting more information from that as the time grows near. Let's see if we can find one more question about Vidya games. Drunken Elvis wants to know if there's a tier to get chained to Marathon Bloodborne again. No. Oh, nope. I, no you, amount of money, people. You, you gotta have something at the $10,000 tier. Well, we thought about it, the 10000 tier, like an invite to Packer's party. That's a E3 good one. party. Um, because that's something that you can't get. Like, get, being able to go to a party with that many of the industry's biggest luminaries. I, I still think there should be a tier where they make you play Bloodborne again. Yeah. It would have to be worth a lot of money. Yeah, you can make it... Make it a lot of money. Yeah. It would, it would if, be. if someone got twenty One grand million if someone dollars. wants to spend twenty grand to make you to make you play Bloodborne for a day. For a day, yeah. For twenty grand they'd want me to finish it, I think, though. You never know. Yeah. Well we're gonna have fun with our tiers and our rewards and stuff, that's for sure. That's the thing, is like you can dictate it's like twenty thousand dollars, eight hours of Bloodborne. Yeah. Whatever that whatever that takes. Yeah. It's and if true. someone wants to do it, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Someone someone decides that's worth it, it's worth it. All right, here's the last question. Vox91, stupid question. Maybe I shouldn't have answered this one. But will you take individual donations through Patreon or only recurring monthly subscriptions? Because I want to give a big donation when your Patreon launches. I'd give it now, but I'm broke at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, I, there's no reason for us to shut off one-time donations on Patreon. Yeah. I mean, you can just do it on our donation program that we have now. Um, if you wanted to do it now, I mean, obviously, say you said you're broke at the moment or whatever. Um, but I guess one thing you could say about someone doing it on Patreon is someone seeing that the Patreon is successful mm -hmm. might encourage other people to do it. So I can see your angle there. Yeah, watching the bars fill up is, is, yeah. a, is, is addicting. But we will not cut off any revenue streams at this point. Those days are gone. Uh, we are all about it. Any revenue stream we can find, we are going to make use of it and work it for all it's worth. So, yeah. Any options that Patreon offers for people to contribute to the website or to our, our funds, we will allow it to happen. So I think that's it. Uh, those of you watching the archive who didn't go, get to watch the live stream, if you have any questions about any of the stuff I talked about, ask me in the comments, at Shane. It'll send me a notification, and I'll come and I'll answer right away. Uh, I'm sure as people start to digest all this stuff, uh, some things will come up that people didn't think of on the fly while we were live streaming the show. So... Happy to say that this will not be the last episode of Game Face from here. That could have been a possibility, actually, which is crazy. Uh, I feel like we have renewed hope and renewed vigor for the site and really excited about Patreon, and we hope that you guys are too. Um, and again, don't go out and start spouting this all over the place. Don't climb the tree yet. Yeah, don't climb the tree just yet. We want to make it a uh, focused and concerted effort for our big launch on Patreon. Um, and as we get closer to that, I'll let you know as Brent completes more and more of the work for the whole transition. So really excited about the future. I think we got a really good shot here to make this happen and to not just make sure Sifted stays alive, but to actually grow it into what it should have become all along. So thanks everyone again for joining the summit on Monday. Really appreciate it. Appreciate all the feedback on all the threads and the stories and even just the encouragement. A lot of people have sent me direct messages on Sifted and on Facebook and Twitter over the last week. Uh, just wishing me well. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, we have an awesome community here. So thanks, everyone. Everyone have a great weekend. Game Face is up and out.